Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We're here every Sunday evening talking the game of baseball, talking the game of fantasy baseball, talking whatever the heck we want to talk about. And we've got games to talk about, guys. It's been a few days since we've had games. I think we're up to four or five games now, and we are exactly 28 days, four weeks away from the official start of the uh, of the season here, it starts off with three games, all the teams that made the playoffs, and then we get, obviously, to Super Monday, where everybody is playing. It's just going to be fantastic. I can't believe we're almost here. The weather is starting to break all around the country. It's even supposed to be 70 degrees here in the Northeast. So baseball season, baseball weather is here, and I, I know, for one, I can't be more happy than I am right now just uh, watching games. i got to tell you, I did watch that Dodger game yesterday. And Kenta Maeda, he looks exactly like Hiroki Kuroda. I mean, it, it is the exact same delivery. It's similar stuff. Uh, he doesn't have an overwhelming fastball, but, man, it's it, the, the ball really moves. He's got a wicked uh, splitter. And if I didn't know that was uh, Kenta Maeda, I would have thought, it's Corota, uh, you know, without even looking a little bit shorter than a Corota. But uh, it, it was remarkable how eerily similar those deliveries were. So I got a chance to watch that. And today I watched uh, I watched the Cubs and Diamondbacks play in the afternoon or late afternoon. And before that, whatever the game on MLB Network uh, was before, it was the game I was watching. Uh, it was really, really good to see. A lot of kids playing, which is always fun to watch. I hope to get down to spring training at some point this uh, spring, if not uh, definitely out in uh, Scottsdale. I'll be hitting that at the end of the month. I'm hoping uh, to get off to uh, Florida as well, but I don't know if that is going to happen because my real job is, quite frankly, getting in the way. So I've got some stuff to do. 
If you want to get a hold of us, the best way to do that is on the Twitter. You get myself at Rich Wilson FSG at Rich Wilson FSG. Of course, get the great Tim McLeod at Timothy LMC at Timothy LMC. You can go out and rate and review us on. I think I said at Rich Wilson FSG. It's no longer at Rich Wilson FSG. It's at Rich Wilson P three sixty one. That's at Rich Wilson P three sixty one. I changed it to keep going back to the old one when I talk. So it's just old habits are hard to break. So apologies on that. Rituals and P361. Of course, rating review is out on iTunes. I don't know if you made it to Stitcher yet, but I've been told all the paperwork is in, so we should be out there. Somebody can let me know. That would be awesome. One of the things as we're waiting on Tim to come in that I just kind of wanted to emote on for a moment. I was I was listening to the MLB Network today and Jim Bowden and um, uh, Jim Duquette, who do a really good job with a show called The Front Office. And they were talking about and responding to Jonah Carey's article about the, the most tradable assets. And the 10 most, or the 15 most tradable assets uh, in baseball today started off with uh, Mike Trout, and then it was Carlos Correa, then uh, Bryce Harper, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Manny Machado, uh, Corey Seager, so forth. But the name Clayton Kershaw never came up. And they were insist, how can that possibly be that Corey Seager on the same team is more tradable than Clayton Kershaw? And while I like Jim Bowden and, and, and uh, Jim Duquette and they were general managers and I were not. It shows you how fast the game has changed because when you're owed $35 million a year, you're tough to trade. I don't Clayton Kershaw or not. I mean, first of all, how many teams can pay $35 million for said player? Maybe the Yankees, maybe the Dodgers, which he's on already. Maybe the Red Sox would do it. The Cubs is only two or three teams. So that immediately eliminates a lot of his, uh, marketplace to be able to do it. And then if somebody's going to pick up a $35 million a year salary in Clayton Kershaw, you going to get anybody else in return? I don't think so. I don't, don't think so. Like with Corey Seager, all it costs you is prospects. Now it might cost you, you know, an arm and a leg in prospects, but at least you can acquire him and it opens it up for just about every team that's out there. Maybe somebody that doesn't need a shortstop or a third baseman, but just let everybody go off Corey Seager. But if Clayton Kershaw came up on the board, yeah, most teams would love to have him, but the Dodgers are going to have to eat, what, $20 million, $25 million of that $35 million annual salary, and it's just not going to happen. So it makes him almost impossible to trade. So, Bowden and um, Duquette need to kind of start thinking in the modern way. Maybe that's why they're not GMs anymore. Don't know. But I would encourage you to go out and read Jonah Carey's article on SI because I thought it was a really good one, uh, very thought-provoking. And it really shows the kind of logic that he went through, which I agree with a lot of them, looking at young kids, young budding stars, and uh, how how much – and the way general managers think is team control, team control. You get five or six years of eligibility. Those type of young players are incredibly valuable in today's game. Anyway, now that I've wasted a few minutes and Tim has gone on, we'll get on to the show. Mr. McLeod, good evening. How are you? I am just fine, Rich. And how's everything on the eastern seaboard tonight? It's uh, doing really well, Timmy. I watched uh, three games over the week. I watched uh, back-to-back games today. I think there's three games on tomorrow. Baseball is in the air. Yes, it certainly is. And uh, nothing more exciting than uh, either watching that first game or looking at that first box score, is it? 
I know, Timmy. I was just commenting that I saw Kitsameda, uh pitch uh, yesterday, and if I didn't know who it was and I was not told, he looked mm-hmm. exactly like Kuroda, a couple of inches shorter, but the exact same delivery, nearly the same stuff. It's not electric stuff, but, man, the splitter is wicked, and he's got pretty good control. I was really, really impressed, but I was more like astonished of exactly how he looks like Hiroki Kuroda in that delivery. Well, yeah, and you know what, Rich? Just by sheer coincidence, guess who Maeda pitched with last year when he returned to Japan? Hiroki Kuroda? <laughs> yeah, they were on, they were on the same team. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's amazing. That that's amazing. It was. Uh, he looked a little, you know, Iwakuma maybe a little bit. They're all very similar, but, man, the Kuroda comp was just, it was unbelievable. Yeah, the one thing about uh, Maeda is he's not going to, he's not going to give it away. You're going to have to earn it. He's And on top of that, the one thing that hasn't been mentioned, he's, he's very good at fielding his position, extremely good. And, uh, you know, he, he just doesn't walk a lot of people. He just doesn't give up a lot of uh, a lot of base runners and that's going to be the key to his success in the majors as it was in japan uh yeah i know and and uh timmy i thought he looked really really good and i know we've talked about him a lot but uh, i think that arm can stay healthy i think he deserves to be a number three on your fantasy team uh yeah i have a draft coming up on tuesday and if i can get him as my number three i'll be fairly happy yeah, absolutely. Now, when is Tout Wars? Uh, Wednesday? Thursday? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Fantastic. And you're picking out of what hole again? Um, I actually moved up. I'm. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm uh, picking out of the fourth slot, Rich. How'd you How'd you move up? Well, the way the draft order is determined is whoever finishes first the prior year gets first choice of slots, second, and all the way down the line. And I finished fifth last year and was sitting in the fifth slot. And the gentleman who was in the fourth slot decided he wanted to move elsewhere. And he did. And I'm very happy to be driving in the fourth slot. So what do you mean? So he's not playing in the league? No, he's he, he decided he wanted to draft eighth. Oh, okay. That was, so... that, that was his preferred slot. And uh, because he finished fourth, he can he can move anywhere down the pipe, right? Oh, I got it. So it's like a KDS. You get the uh, first yeah. first choice, second choice. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. So, okay. So, all right. So, are you Clayton Kershaw in it? Is that is that what you're doing? Rich, 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 Rich. Who am I drafting, Rich? Come on. <laughs> think. Well, just uh, think for a second. Just think for a second. Well, I, knowing I would, how, I, how how aggressive I play the game, knowing well, the man man crush that I have on somebody. All right. So I'm going to assume that Trout, Harper, and Goldschmidt are uh, Goldschmidt are all three gone. Correct. Yeah, that's my assumption, yeah. Then I would say Carlos Correa. That is correct. That's who I'm drafting, and that's why I was happy to move up into fourth, because I don't have to worry about what happens now. If somebody decides they want to go Korea with one, two, three, I'll gladly take one of the other three, Rich, and be very, very happy. Yeah, I, I hear you, Timmy. You, I doubt you're going to have that opportunity, but uh, have had, did you do any mock drafts or any real drafts last, last week? Uh, let me see. Last week, yeah, I did... At least one, maybe two. Now, I, I did my auction on Saturday. Uh, Alan Servanus uh, is partnering up with me in my home league, so we did the auction Saturday morning, and I did the 20-team, which ended up being 19, did it Thursday evening, 
And somewhere in between, I was—I uh, did a mock, I think, on Monday. Yeah, I did a mock on Monday and called into a podcast. So it was a busy week, and I got another busy one coming up this week. Wow. Okay, I'm trying to do a draft here, Tim, and I'm getting an error. Okay. People are telling me it's not my pick, and yet it is my pick. And well, CBS hmm. is having all kinds of problems. I tell you, if you draft early in CBS, it's just not good, Tim. Not good at all. Well, didn't the uh, you know I I I wasn't privy to all the discussion, but didn't the uh, sub draft in DL two didn't it get off to a rocky start too, if I'm not mistaken? Didn't, yeah, you know, something seized up or it didn't start when it was supposed to, or yeah, everything has gotten off to a rocky start. So uh, yeah, they're telling me it's not my pick, and maybe it's not. But yeah, uh, Ross restriction, you may not pick this player. Why can't okay. you? Why can't? Why can't you pick that player, Rich? <laughs> says I'm on the. Says I'm on the clock. Says uh, I got seven hours and fifty six minutes to pick, and uh, and they're saying that somebody else is up. But I don't know. Let's just screw that, Timmy. So we got a great hmm. show planned. We got a great show planned for this everybody this evening. We're going to start off with uh, really talking about some drafting strategies. We're talking about some spring training news, or primarily some of the injuries that that we've seen, and maybe a couple of good performances, bad performances. See what everybody else says. And uh, and then, Tim, we're going to turn over the reins back to you. The, the crowds are calling for you to interview me and talk about my two articles that came out on Prospect 361, and that is Impact Rookies. Like, Timmy, I wrote 40, 38 players, I think, and everybody's saying, well, what about this guy? What about that? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, like 100 players out there? I mean, give me a break. So anyway, so the who I thought the 40 Impact players were, you're going to interview me about them and tell me the ones I missed, and we'll we'll have a good time on that. Sound good? It sounds absolutely excellent. Great job on that article, uh, Rich. Uh, you know, you, you can only go so far. Like, how many how many rookies do you want to do you want to list? Like sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety. I thought uh, I thought you got most of uh, most of the big guys in there, and I got a few names to add. But no, great job on those articles, and uh, hopefully, uh, I've got some intelligent questions that I can fire your way and try and pick your brain a little bit. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, well, let's start off, Timmy, then uh, some drafting strategies. I'm just simply titled hmm. Three Things to Do in Preparation for Your Draft. So I put down three, but let's just kind of, you give me give one, I'll give one, and we'll kind of go back and forth like that. Sound, sound good? Sounds like a plan, Stan. All right, so what's your first draft preparation that, that uh, you want to tell people about? Know your league rules. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times, you know, it's it sounds rather... Rather silly, but you got to know what you're dealing with, whether you've got a minimum, maximum inning pitch at bats, daily or weekly roster moves, eligibility rules. Know your rules and have a good understanding of them before you sit down to actually do the draft. Yeah, I think that's really, really good. And so many, so many people don't. And then all it seems so silly. Like I mean, people probably listen to. Of course, I know my rules, but Tim, I run leagues all the time, and people ask mm-hmm. me after the draft about a rule, and it's like, wow. I mean, shouldn't you have known that before you drafted? Well, I'll give you a good example, and this was a real gem. I I ended up in a draft, it was four or five years ago, okay, and it was on fairly short notes, and I, I just showed up on draft day, and I'm looking through, and I'm thinking, where's Brian McCann? What's happening here? I can't find all these players. I didn't read the rules. It was an, it was an AL only. <laughs> there you go. Even the greats in the cloud screws up. That's very, very well, funny. I, I think oh, it was a gem. Case in, I think it was a case in labor like 20 years mm-hmm. ago that didn't mm-hmm. somebody show up 
thinking it was an AL only and it was an NL only. And he just left in the. He, he didn't even. He just left. I think it was uh, one mm-hmm. of the big sportscasters. I forgot. Lenny Melnick used to tell that story. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's it it sounds so mundane and this thing that everybody should do, but. You're right, Rich. You get the questions. I've seen the questions. I've done the dumbass moves, and know your league rules. It'll, it really will make a difference. Tim, my first one is insist on knowing your draft position before the draft begins. Now, I despise owners uh, who don't do some kind of pre-establishment uh, of your draft position, and you find out 30 minutes before the draft begins. I think that is so unfair. Uh, and I would just insist that they do some kind of outside draft selection process. And, and Tout Wars does it. Most NFBC does it. We find out 24 hours. So you, at least you got a chance to think because those first few picks are important. Now, if you're playing a free league, Tim, you don't, you can't find out until 30 minutes before the draft starts. That means you got a mock draft. You got a mock draft at least three. Once in early, early picking early. Once picking middle. Once picking at the end. Probably do one on the, on the wheel, just so that you know who's going to be about that. But I just really believe that if you're in a custom league and you're a commissioner, you need to make sure that people know where they're drafting a few days ahead of time. You know, I'm sort of surprised on that one. You know, because you being the great Rich Wilson, you should be prepared to draft in any slot, right? It shouldn't make any difference to you, right? Wrong? Uh, you know, uh, uh, agree, Tim, but uh, I don't have the time to do that, quite frankly, and I don't uh, think a lot of people do. So if I'm playing in my one league that, uh, you know, that I played with with all my friends for years and years, and right. uh, why don't – I mean, I sh- I'd love to be able to focus all of my attention on that one slot. Now, so would it have been fair, Tim, for you not to have known going into Tout Wars, which is your most important league, where you're going to draft until 30 minutes before? I prefer knowing in advance because there's strategy involved. And I, and I agree with you, Rich. But, you know, it. Yeah, I guess it depends. Most money leagues or most big leagues, you, you'll find that the draft slots are prepared in advance. It does, by not knowing that, it does provide a little bit of an element of surprise. And it gives people like me who've done 30 mocks a bit of an advantage. So I'm not as concerned, per se, as the average person. But knowing in advance does allow you to plot strategy. There's no doubt about it. Okay, Timmy, what's your second one? Okay, show up at least at least 15 to 20 minutes early for your draft and build a queue. Go through go through what's in what's in the database. Find the no- names that are hidden deep on your on the host site's rankings because there is a pile of them. Each and every site has their own little nuances as far as rankings and you'll find players like Jason Grilly sitting at number 850. You're not going to find him once you get your draft started. Save the chit-chat until after you've built your queue, and then talk it up and have some fun. But get that queue out of the way. It's very, very important. Yeah, I'm terrible at building my queue up, Tim. I, I, I just am. I, I, I know the player pool so well that sometimes I don't, I don't do my queue. And if mm-hmm. I do get distracted, then I, then I run into trouble. I, I think that's really good advice. Well, what, what I find, and, and, and pray to the good Lord, it, it hasn't happened yet, is what I use my queue for is all of the deep sleepers and all the late round gems that are hidden. So I block all those names because like yourself, my knowledge of the player pool is pretty good. You know, your top 300, 400 players, it's those little hidden gems. And if by chance I ever go on auto, I'm going to have the ugliest team known to man. Absolutely. My second one, Timmy, is 
don't fall into old habits. And this is this is one for me. And I keep telling myself year over year, and then I I still have a tendency to fall into old habits. But don't fall into old habits. Don't be afraid to target two elite pitchers in the first four picks when you're in a 12 team leagues for 10 team leagues. Two elite pitchers in the first five picks. We've heard this year, Tim. We've talked. We've done a mock draft on this very show. You've talked about it since day one. Pitchers go quickly. Um, the guys out in the NFBC are telling us that just like in football, it's not about running backs any longer in the first round. It's about the best players. And I think in fantasy baseball, we have seen too much value in these pitchers. And you need two elite pitchers to really compete. And all of the NFC drafts have been going, and that's how people have been doing it. So I think uh, to say, hey, let me pick five offensive players off, you know, off the board, and then you find out that your your best player, your best pitcher is, I don't know, some, you know, uh, you know, some number three pitcher on a fantasy team, and you're going to be really behind the eight ball because Tim in a rotisserie league, pitching is half the battle. In a head-to-head league, it's even more so because usually wins play a big role in that, uh, and, and those offensive categories. In a points league, it's it's very much the same. So I'm telling everybody, go grab two elite pitchers. Yeah, that makes total sense, Rich. You, you know what? If you believe on in drafting pitching late, that that's all fine and well, and you can have those beliefs. But it, it's not going to work unless they fit into what's happening on the draft board. And even in uh, my mock draft tonight, I, I was looking, I think there were 35, 35 starting pitchers off the board by pick 110. Now, if you want to go late, uh, I say good luck to you. Yeah, I, I agree. Timmy, what's your third? Um, actually, I got four of them here. I cheated, Rich, but well, well, this is... You do, well, you do one. I'll do my third, because I only... Because, Tim, I'm an underachiever. I only have three. <laughs> Let's go back to the fourth one. Yeah, and, and I'm always trying to get an extra two minutes of airtime in, Rich. What can I say? Uh, anything that you can do, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, you're going to get sniped. It's part of the game once you get into the draft, okay? You're not going to get all your targets. Don't get all upset about it. Have plan B, C, and D ready. Know your options and be willing to be flexible. Uh, you know, if you go into a draft anticipating getting player A, B, C, D, uh, just because you don't get B and C, you're not folding up shop. You got you got to have plans ready to be able to make moves because you're not going to get everything you want. It's not an auction; it's draft. Yeah, well, even at an auction, Tim. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you get outbid. And, you know, you have to change strategies on the fly. So that's why all the mocking sometimes you do, when the real McCoy comes, it can change. And you've got to be flexible. You've got to have pre-thought-out strategies. Quite frankly, in life, Tim, you have to have all that. I know when I'm thinking of business strategies all the time, I'm thinking of all of the things that could potentially go wrong and what are my alternatives there. So I usually have a plan, but I've got like 10 other plans depending on how conversations might go and looking for alternatives. I, I do that with, that's how I live my life. And I think with fantasy drafts and baseball drafts in particular, you've got to have that. Well, yeah, and there's no point in getting upset about it. Uh, and I, I see people ever, you know, in in chat rooms, in draft rooms, that, you know, I got sniped and the odd curse and this and that. And suck it up. It's part of the game. Have a plan ready and you're off to the races. Yeah, Tim, I was telling you that, you know, we're in the process of selling our house and, you know, we're right. going through the legal review and negotiations, that's what this week has been all about. And they've been, you know, it's not, it's been 
complicated, right? So it's been well, yeah. We've we've had to like be able to react on the fly and you know say, well, what about this and what about this? And the person buying the house has been doing the same thing. So we had a plan in mind, and the plans are being altered as as we think through it. And if you go, well, that's my plan. Screw it. Well, usually that's bad. <laughs> that's going to well, be poorly for the person. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Rich, how long do you really want to live in New Jersey? Is the question, right? <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and what happens if you, you know, you thought, what, what, let's say this, what, what happens uh, in your in your draft on Tat Wars? You're targeting Carl Gray. Let's just say Carl Gray goes third. We've already yeah. got a backup plan. You know what you're going to take, but maybe the guy who's drafting after you thinks you're taking Kershaw, and he's got Correa. He's got to have an alternative. Okay, if Correa goes, then then what am I going to do? Because you can't just sit there and go, oh, I give up. I out. Of, I'm out of the draft. Yeah. I'm in a free league, and you know, let me bail. You, you can't do that. Well, no, exactly. And it's like a huge game of chess. Each and every move that is made prior to your move is going to elicit a response, and your move will elicit another response, and. It just keeps building and building uh, as you try and complete the big puzzle. It's called your team. Is it my turn, Tim? Yeah, you're on the clock, uh, Rich. I said find those impact rookies and draft two of them. Uh, I, I, you know, this game is changing. You know what Matt Holiday is going to do. Matt Holiday can have a lot of value at the end of a draft, but there's some. Guys, the young kids out there uh, don't have to be some of the guys that I talked about, but you know, even some players that have uh, either the rookie eligible or just uh, you know people that you feel. I feel, for instance, Archie Bradley is going to have a big year. Draft those guys, Tim. I mean, they're fun to mm. have. If you believe in them, go get them, and, and don't draft an entire team full of veterans that you know what they're going to provide because you need somebody to surprise you in a good way, and that's what these young players will do. Hey, I, I totally agree. And the other thing that happens is if you don't draft one or two of those potential impact rookies or players that you believe in with huge upside, you're going to find yourself sitting uh, amongst uh, 14 other teams waiting for Fab. And Fab's a wonderful thing. It gives all of those teams, including yourself, an opportunity to bid on those players. And it gets very expensive, very costly, and it reduces your odds down to one one of 15. If you can uh, take some of that out of the game and stash it in advance, it provides you with some insurance, some comfort, and when Carlos Correa gets called up in June, uh, a big smile on your face because you haven't paid anything for him. You wait a couple months, and life is good, right? I totally agree with you. And, it, and it, it, quite frankly, it makes it fun, right? Because, oh, sure. you know, I, I, to me, again, going back to my Arch, Archie Bradley, I've been big on him and a big been, been big on Dylan Bundy. And I would try to get both of those guys in as many leagues as I can this year, partially because I believe in them, partially because they're dirt cheap. Nobody wants them. I mean, they've fallen from mm-hmm. grace. And you can't have an entire team built on that. Right, but you can have a couple of guys that are out there, and I think that's what makes it fun as well. And Tim, if 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 you're wrong, you just move on. Well, yeah, it's 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 a redraft league. You know, <laughs> if come June the guy doesn't get called up or he's struggling in the minors, well, let me see. Uh, are there any other guys we can look at and make some make some moves in advance again? And uh, I know I've had a huge measure of success drafting players before they come up rather than waiting and getting into the fab wars. And it's much the same at the draft. Pick one or two that you like, see if you can get them in the right spot, and stash them away and see what happens. 
Timmy, you have uh, you have overachieved. Tell us your fourth one. Well, this I think is is very important for everybody playing the game. But it it's it's simply the best player available is not always the best player for your team. Remember, when you're playing this game, it's about ten different scoring categories that combined will bring you to the title. And don't get overly enamored with the idea that you might have to draft somebody of a lesser skill set, but it's a skill set you need. And don't emphasize or overemphasize the fact that you got to take the best player because sometimes that best player really isn't rich. So can you give me an example? Okay, yeah. You've got, uh, you're going into the fifth round. Nelson Cruz has fallen. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You've already drafted your first in the first four rounds. A team is stacked in home runs. You've got power all over the place, but you're lacking in stolen bases. Do you draft Nelson Cruz? Or do you draft, uh, let me see here, who's a, who's a good good player? I'll go Billy Hamilton just as an example, okay? Mm-hmm. Do, you, yep. do you draft draft Nelson Cruz or do you draft Billy Hamilton? So do you, you, so the question is, you're saying you, you go for the guy you need as opposed to potentially a guy who's fallen. Is that correct? Well, when you start looking at your specific team needs, sometimes what is perceived to be the best player doesn't give you the best result. Yeah, and I think true. it's something everybody has to be cognizant about, about when you're assembling your teams. Or you can end up with a team that on paper, wow, man, that, that's awesome. But where's your stolen bases? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I know, don't have any. You know, it's, it, it's an age-old question because I, I agree with you to a certain extent. But if a guy really falls and you're absolutely sure that he's healthy, you know, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and you feel like this is a team that you, a league you played in a while. You know that there's an active trading league. Then you have the opportunity to trade guys. But if you're in some of these free leagues, Tim, and let's face it, you know there's there's not there's more free leagues out there than there are people that leagues that have been going around for 20 years. It's really dicey when you start to uh, you know, take guys and hope that you can trade them because sometimes you know, people just don't trade. Well, yeah, I can. Uh... I can tell you right now, uh, Rich, in three years of playing in Tote Wars, okay? How many trades do you think I have made in three years? Not many, because, well, first of all, you're not a big trader anyway, but... Uh, no. You, you, yeah, but I, I, I doubt many. I think I know you made one last last year. Two. Two. Well. Yeah, you know, it, so it's... it's I, I, I agree with you. If you're counting on using trades to addition, uh, you know, to... Uh, correct deficiencies in your team, you're counting on a huge variable that might not be there. I, I'd much rather try and correct that deficiency or shortfall at the draft as compared to hoping I can find a trading partner. Yeah, I totally agree. One final thing, Tim, and then we're going to talk about something else. Uh, always have a window open with Rotor World, Rotor whatever your favorite aggregator oh, is. Yeah. And just, you know, the first 15 rounds in particular, just before you draft somebody, just make sure he didn't break a leg. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes Nelson, oh, you get all excited. I got Nelson Cruz and whatever, the fifth or sixth round. And then you you got mm-hmm. him. You got a smile like a Cheshire account. You look and Nelson Cruz is out for the season. <laughs> so that's why he was dropping. So, Tim, it happens well, yeah. to the best of us, right? Well, it sure does. Like, people drafting tonight, say, at 8 o'clock, uh, if they don't click on Roto World, if, hey, if they're looking for a guy they want to take a chance on, uh, Jairo Diaz. He's undergoing TJ. He wasn't yesterday, was he? No, I didn't hear about that. Wow. That's such a shame. Gosh, it's, you know, it happens yeah, so much. Young, as, soon as, spring training, as 
Judo spring training starts up, Tim. The guys just blow out their elbows, and it's uh, a little frightening. Well, yeah, it is, but I agree with you 100%. The last thing I do before I go into any major draft is click click on the information site I use and take a quick scan because the last thing I want to do is draft somebody that, uh, like you said, blew out a knee or an elbow. Yeah, particularly if you're not following this stuff really, really closely. And let's face it, Tim, I, I know by the numbers we get uh, we get about six, 7,000 people who listen download our show during the winter time, and it mm-hmm. peaks up to almost 20,000 right now. So I know for a fact that there's a <laughs> lot of people who listen to us to get their news, their drafting strategy, what the players to pick and all of that. So they're not following this stuff over the winter time. They might not know that Brett Anderson, let's let's just say Brett, I mean Brett Anderson's mm-hmm. out for three months, that he's out for three months. And we might not bring it up. We might it might have happened after the last time they listened to us. So you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta have that open. Just make a just do a quick scan before you draft the player. Well, yeah, and you know, you know the White Sox signed Austin Jackson today. Yeah, obviously, that's going to change some values in that White Sox outfield, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, Tim. And I don't even have those in the notes because that happened late this afternoon. I did have later on in the in the topics. I think we should just talk about it now because we are talking about drafting sure. strategy. It's just the importance or lack of importance of ADP, and we talk about this every year. I just want your opinion on it. First of all, I've been using the ADP just from the NFBC because it's you know it's high stakes league and. Usually people do a lot of research before they, they embark on that, plus it's the first one that's out there. But then all of a sudden you, you, you might have your prep list up and you go draft at ESPN and they've got their own preference list and ES, uh, Yahoo has their own and CBS and you know, fan track and on and on it goes. And all of a sudden where you thought you could get player X, Nelson Cruz, you thought you could get him in the sixth, sixth round, all of a sudden now ESPN's got him ranked 32nd overall. It's just because people seem to follow those, those ADPs that are out in the, um, in the draft order by the provider, you get sniped on that. So how do you guard against that, Tim? Well, there is really no way to, to guard against that situation for the most part. If a person, if, if, if a player X in your league loves Lance McCullers, okay, he's got an autographed hat, an autographed ball, an autographed jersey. He loves Lance McCullers, and he wants to draft him in the third round. Well, hey, <laughs> all the more power to you. You now own Lance McCullers. You can't do anything about that. What, what concerns me about the ADPs is we look at hard and fast numbers, and they aren't. You know, you look at Lance McCullers right now, for example. He's being drafted the 35th starter off the board. I think his ADP is 133, but the range where he's being picked is anywhere from 89 to 189. That's a huge range. You're looking at 100 slots worth of range as far as McCullers is concerned. My rule of thumb is uh, I look at the ADPs, and when it gets to the real game, if I want somebody and believe in them strong enough, I move them up around, at least around. And I also pay attention to the first two, three rounds of the draft to see what's going on. If people are reaching, and if they are reaching, you best ought to adapt and go forward. I think that's really sage advice. And one of the things I, I have a tendency to do, Tim, and everybody's got targets. Uh, I, mm. I know there's, a, there's an adage out there, it's different in an auction league, that you should always look for value. If Nelson Cruz drops, I know we've been overusing his name, uh, but if he drops, then you should pick him because there's good value. I somewhat subscribe to that, but if we talk, somewhat don't. But if you've got seven or eight targets, 
you better find out what the software that you're drafting with, where they put them. And if you really want them, make sure you go out and get them. And Pat DiCaprio, who was, uh, I don't even know if he's into mm. fantasy baseball anymore. He worked for Fantasy Pros back in the days with, with uh, Tony Sincata. And he always said he doesn't, he doesn't even buy, he doesn't even look at ADPs. When he wants a guy, if Lance McCullers, he thinks Lance McCullers is the fifth best pitcher in baseball, then he's going to take him as the fifth best pitcher. I think that's stupid because you've got to follow ADPs a little bit because everybody else is, and you don't want to overpay for somebody. But if you want a guy, Tim, you've got to go get him. Yeah, if you want him, you've got to go get him. The trick is when and how much do you pay for that privilege. You know, if you've got a guy ranked at 100, Okay, say, for instance, at 100, and uh, this guy has been coming off the board at 200. Okay, well, you don't draft him at 100. You draft him somewhere in 150, 160. The odds of you getting him are still relatively good, but at the same point in time, you've also got some other players that you can draft before him, which which brings us back to, you know, the definition of a reach. You hear it all the time. You know, what is a reach? And basically, my definition is you grab a player that you could have got before your next pick. Uh, yeah, and I that think, is that I, is not a reach. If if you start grabbing players that you could get two to three rounds later, yeah. that then you're reaching a little bit, and you could be missing opportunities. Rich, I totally agree, and I think you, you know if you reach for everybody, I think you'll 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 be a problem. Uh, it'll be a problem because, in general, the masses know more than you individually. I mean, you're you're not going to be able to study this stuff like the crowdsourcing, that ADPs and draft order and all that kind of stuff that it builds into because that's kind of what the, everybody in the world thinks. So you need to go by that. But I think it also has to do with where you're drafting. If you you get lucky in a 12-team league, tend to draft six, at least you know, you're going to be 12 picks away from your next one, and you can kind of not reach as much. But if you're drafting one or drafting 12 in that mm. same scenario, sometimes you have to reach here. The guy that you want, that you're worried that he's going to be taken in the next, uh, you know, 20 to 40 picks, you might have to take him. Well, yeah, if you're drafting in, in a 20-team uh, league, for instance, Rich, if yep. you're drafting, <laughs> okay, if you're drafting with the number one pick, like, you got 40 picks before he gets back to you. You're going to take Trout, but on that second set of picks, you've got to be very, very careful with how you plot and plan because there's going to be a lot happening that you have absolutely no control over before it gets back to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, yeah, I, I know some people that, that are in eight-team leagues, which, you know, find some friends, Tim, if you're in an eight-team <laughs> league, you know. But in that, I think all these rules kind of go out the window, right? I mean, it's just, it's eight teams. You, you know, you just, you, you, you're coming around so quickly, it doesn't really matter. But here's yeah. some of these deeper leagues that a lot of our listeners play in. You really got to be able to bob, bob when the other guy is weaving. Well, yeah, you know, I've 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 heard of uh, through the Facebook page. Uh, some people are playing in twenty-four and thirty-team leagues, like that's insanity, uh, Rich. It really is. Oh, and uh, we got a question. Uh, somebody uh, asked if we could uh, throw this one out on the podcast tonight. Do we have time for a quick question? Yeah, Tim, I get questions all day long. I should put more of them out because we have a relatively short show. So, uh, so okay. yeah, fire away. Okay, Matthew on the Facebook page wants to know, what do you do in a 20-team league if you miss out on the top 20 to 30 pitchers? Uh, my first reaction was to say pray, but uh, I'll toss it to you for a better response, Rich. 
Uh, well, first of all, don't. Uh, that's that's yeah. very. You, you just don't. Again, if you're at the top or the bottom, um, if you're you know if you're drafting number three, you better get a guy. You better get one of those guys on the way back. Otherwise, you're not going to get anybody. And and it could be that he says, well, gee, that's uh, I'm drafting third, so that's 17 plus that's 34 mm-hmm. picks. The top guys could go. Uh, I think in that particular scenario, if you're drafting third in a 20-team league, you got to go pitcher pitcher. After that, I mean, I think you, you got to try to get some some significant value, and then you got to really you know try to hit some guys that uh, like the Taiwan Walkers, Archie Bradleys, who I really like this year, uh, that I think have huge upside. Because then your Matt Latos of the world. Uh, a bunch of uh, pitchers like that is not going to cut it, Timmy, because you know exactly those guys, and you know what they're going to do, and it's not going to be good enough. Well, yeah, and if you do miss out and you've taken and made the choice that you're not going to be involved in the top 20, 30 pitchers, you best ought to target at least two pitchers back-to-back in that 30 to 45 range, and possibly even three to try and save your pitching, because if you don't go back-to-back on those pitchers, you're going to end up with, like you said, you're going to end up with a number two, a couple number threes, and a pile of dregs, and I ain't going to get it done. Yeah, the, the only good news, Tim, is pitching does come into most leagues, just as outfielders do. Mm. And uh, a shortstop and catching and, and other positions sometimes a little bit more difficult. You, you usually, everybody knows the Orlando Arcias of the world that are going to come in, so they're, they're already drafted and people are holding on to them. But I think you have to be extraordinarily aggressive on the waiver wire if you miss if your pitching stinks and you've got to take chances and, and go out and get you know any of those Tyler Duffy's of the world that you think can do something because if you can hit them. Five to seven starts uh, that can make a whole difference. It, it makes fantasy baseball pretty hard to play because you have to be very, very aggressive in the waiver wire. But that that becomes the game. Well, it it does. The other thing is, if you miss out on those twenty, twenty, thirty top pitchers, I think somewhere along the line before your draft is done, you better be drafting Glasnos, Berrios, Giolito. You know, pick pick uh, one or two of the Uber prospects that are out there and find a way to get them on your team before you have to worry about Fab. Yeah, or crush your offense if you're in a rotisserie league. you got to crush your <laughs> offense and, wow. and and win going away there. Maybe, and maybe Tim, the other strategy is you go with uh, two elite closers and just try to dominate that closing categories, get good whip and um, and you know, get good ratios. If you play in a rotisserie league, get the saves. And then you just hold on until you know some of these guys like the Tyler Glass and Jose Barrios come up and, and can help you. Well, yeah, definitely uh, you're going to have to do something because you don't want Matt Latos as your number four starter. No. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, you know, again, Timmy, if like get back to that scenario, I'm pick, picking thirds, like the pick Gold, Paul Goldschmidt, and coming back, you know, the top pitcher out there, like let's say is Lance McCullers. I mean, which mm-hmm. conceivably could be. You have to decide there, uh, all right, should I just really power home and say, screw it, I'm not going to pick Lance McCullers, I'm going all offense because everybody's picked pitchers. And I know, uh, you know Lance McCullers might even be there the next time around or somebody nearly as good. You can also do that strategy well, uh, as well and not just panic and go, oh, my gosh, nobody's left. i got to get the next two best guys. Sometimes it's best to say, you know, I'd rather the guy who's on the board, I think the next ten guys are very similar. I'm just going to wait. 
Yeah, you know, there's a lot of options out there, but I, I agree with your first thought in that, you know, if you've missed out on the top 20 to 30 pitchers, I think your draft strategy was probably flawed initially. Yeah, unless, I mean, unless Tim, you know, again, I think if, if unless, if you weren't, th- um, you weren't flawed, but just, let's say again in that scenario that I picked Paul Goldschmidt, and for some reason people went crazy with pitchers, and guys listening to this po- podcast said, well, i got to get two pitchers in the next, out of the next uh, 40 picks, you know, we had 20 pitchers run off the board or 25 pitchers run off the board. Then you sit there and go, you know, everybody's got pitching. That means i got to be picking up positional bats the next couple of rounds. I might as well right. wait because less than five pitchers are going to go off the board next. Sometimes you can do that strategy as well. Yeah, exactly. The bottom line is somehow you got to find a way to build a pitching staff. And... <laughs> uh, I, I think it's very, very. You got to put yourself in a pretty bad situation not to get at least one of the top twenty to thirty starters. You got to be going. I would say in a fifteen-team draft, you've got to be going bats with your first three picks. Say if you're at the wheel, uh, to a you know to get into that exact situation because even at the wheel, you're going to get a pitcher coming back. Even at the corners, uh, I've seen in fifteen teams leagues where you know Keuchel or Sonny Gray you know, drops into your second set of picks, eh? Those those aren't bad pitchers to own. I'll take two Sonny Grays. I totally agree with you. I wonder if you can't get Sonny Gray. Let me go back to uh, to the ADPs here. Let's see. We're, we're I see, pitchers. So like, we're talking about the first 20 pitchers off the board. So Sonny Gray mm. comes in at 21. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's not, uh, oddly enough, that's, yeah, but you got got, uh, yeah, so Sonny Gray's out there, uh, Johnny Cueto, I mean, Adam Wainwright, Cole Hamels, you know, Danny mm-hmm. Salazar. I would probably, I'd probably grab in that scenario, I would definitely go for um, a Sonny Gray or an Adam Wainwright, if, you know, as my, be- as my top pitcher there. I think I'd be okay with that. Well, sure, because at some point in time, you can, you can go strong on your, you can go too strong number threes, get, uh, you know, build in a, a fantasy god like Jose Quintana, right? <laughs> exactly, but if my best guy there is Marcus Stroman, who comes in at thirty, followed by Michael Waka, followed by Carlos Martinez. So Tim, I'm a little worried about his mm. arm or shoulder. I think we need to be concerned. Or Garrett Richards, I might mm. go. You know, I'm just going to wait, and heck, I might get Jordan Zimmerman or Lance McCullers or somebody like that as as my top pitcher. So again, I think it just really depends. If I look there and I'm not excited about, it, I'm going. Oh, I really missed out. I guess I, I guess I got to get the best. So if you're not good, feeling good about that pick, Tim, maybe you should just let it go. Well, yeah, sometimes you're, again, your best pick uh, uh, isn't, in fact, your best pick. Wait, wait, wait that round and see how it shakes down. But all I know is in all my drafts this year, uh, I want at least one of that top 20, 30 starters. That's, that's my plan going in. I, I, want, I want and have to have one because I'm not taking a chance. But the way pitching is going, uh, even if I strongly believed in going hitters early, I know what the outcome is going to be. And my own personal stance is not going to change the framework of the other 14 owners and what's going to happen. So I know what the results are going to be. And I'm just not willing to play that game, Rich. I'm going two big pitchers, Tim. Uh, my first four okay. rounds, 15-team league, I'm going two pitchers. And uh, 
if I'm drafting early like it did in the NFBC, I went pitcher-pitcher and felt really, really good. And quite frankly, Tim, the next positional bat that came around was Troy Tulowitzki. I was very, very happy with that. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll play that game. Tim, let's. Uh, this has been fun, by the way, right? Yeah, I'm having a hooch. Yeah, well, let's uh, drop for uh, break for a quick uh, commercial here, Timmy, and then when we mm-hmm. get back, we're going to talk about some of the spring training The next Tim, we actually start live reads. We have a couple of sponsors. We've got, uh, we've got uh, FanDuel coming back. I think they start on the 28th. We have a new sponsor next week, a place called Seat Geek. And they contacted uh-huh, okay. me a couple of weeks ago and want to do, uh, I think, a six-week run. They're going to give get a, give us a uh, a code that people can use. And Seat Geek, Tim, if you've never heard of it, is very similar to StubHub, which is... Okay. Seats online, except they're an aggregate and bring in all of those seats together. So it, you know, instead of having to go out to the individual portals to do that, they bring it all together, kind of like a kayak from a travel standpoint, or you know, that says here's all the different airlines and so forth and the deals they're bringing in. All that. So if you want to go out and get, you know, a Pittsburgh Pirate ticket, you go there and you know it'll kind of tell you from all the different sites what the best seats are and, and who's buying those types of seats. So it's actually pretty cool. So, uh, mm. so anyway, they're going to be, they're going to be, uh, they'll be advertising with us over the next six weeks. Oh, well that, that's absolutely awesome. I, yeah, I don't know. I've always found, you know, when it comes to tickets and stuff, uh, you know, I just stroll up to the gate, pay my six bucks and then grab one of the <laughs> six to 7,000 empty seats and I'm off to the races. There you go. Well, yeah. I don't, you don't necessarily need those for the Arizona fall league, but if you're going to go see, uh, Justin Bieber and bring your kids, you're going to be using some ticket broker and, uh, SeatGeek looks like they have a really, really, uh, good service there. So I think P361 will be our code. So at least I'm, ah. I, I believe that's what it is. So I just signed the paperwork tonight, sent it off to them. So, uh, so we'll get that going. So Tim, some spring training news and it starts off. It seems like every year, every other year, poor Brad Anderson, eh? I think a decent pitcher, but the poor guy, Tim, just can't stay healthy. He's, you know, he signed that, the uh, they they offered the Dodgers offered that qualifying offer. He took it, fifteen point eight million dollars, and he might pitch in the second half because he is having back surgery, and it just he's just a guy Tim that can't stay healthy. And I know you don't know why, but some mm-hmm. some players just can't stay healthy. That's really weird. Well, yeah, it, it is no no rhyme no no reason. Just curious to. Is he does he get uh, does he go through the qualifying offer thing again next year? Because he'll probably take it if he does, Rich. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think the Dodgers would do that. As you said, Tim, there was a handful of pitchers and players, excuse me, that we thought it was stupid for them to get a qualifying offer, uh, at least from an ownership standpoint. And he was one of them, and uh, he took that offer and smart on him. Or he he might have been Austin Jackson. Uh, or uh, you know, or Ian Desmond, who would have uh, gotten a lot less of smart on him. But what is? I mean, I also started to think about like Brad Anderson. Is Anthony Rendon going to be that guy that seems to get hurt, not just nicked up, but like big time hurt every year? Well, you know, I think it's a little bit early to start pegging that on Anthony Rendon. And as soon as I saw the topic, the first thing that came to my mind is: you remember Ian Kinsler? Remember when he first came up? 
That's right. He was hurt all the... We used to talk about that. Oh, that's right. Ian Kinsler was never healthy. Is he going to be healthy? What's he looking like? Well, in the past five years, he's got in, what, 620, 655, 545, 684, and 624 at-bats. And nobody talks about it. So, uh, you know, I think to peg... Uh, uh, he isn't going to stay healthy tag, say, on, on Rondon at this stage of the game is, is way too early. Uh, now, if this two years down the road, if uh, he hasn't got in more than 400 at-bats, sure, but, you know, what's to say that uh, he's not going to get 500-plus at-bats in for the next 10 years? We, we just don't know, do we? I, I agree with you, Tim. We don't know, but I think it's safe to say Brett Anderson is not going to be healthy, all right? Are we are we good to say that? <laughs> I, I I will not make a stake in liquor bet on Brett Anderson this year, unless of course you give me the one you know the one favorable scenario, which you won't do, right? So, Timmy, you ever heard of this crazy Apple Watch? What is the it Apple called? Watch? The Apple Watch, you know that Apple Watch that Apple is selling. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I I, I wasn't sure what you were saying. Yeah, okay. It's a it's a core thing, right? Yeah, so you, you got the Apple Watch, and you know, and it's it, it's a normal watch. It hooks up to your iPhone and does all kinds mm-hmm. of cool stuff. And right. it basically, it's more cool than practical. I mean, you can live your entire life without it, and you never miss it. But it's mm. got these, it's it's got this. Uh, it tests your, you know, it can test your uh, heart rate and and so forth. And it, it, there's three things that it wants you to do to stay fit. And one is how many how many calories you burn a day. You can set that. Um, right. And let's see uh, how, how much, how many minutes of exercise you get a day, and then how many times during the day that you stand up, how many hours during the day that you stand up. So mine comes up and basically beeps at you, it tells you to stand up. Once an hour, it tells you to stand up. Well, my watch just did this. So I'm literally in my wife's office, mm-hmm. uh, standing up and moving my hands back and forth and walking around, trying to meet my stand goal for the day. Is that not pathetic or what? Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, mine would have the hammer app, Rich. Okay, <laughs> and and after about two days of it telling me to stand up, I would be probably telling it to shut up with a thwack, and then it'd be all over. So in the interactive chat room, I agree with you, Tim. In the interactive chat room, who start? Andrew McQuiston says, "Who starts at first base for Houston on opening day?" I say Singleton, and then I'm going to say we're going to talk about this a little later. Tyler White gets the next chance, and then if he doesn't make it, then is AJ Reed. Who do you got, Tim? Yeah, I like your train of thought, but I'm going to save most of my thoughts uh, for our discussion a little bit later on, because definitely uh, it's a rather hot topic of conversation, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. The, uh, the Now the national media is finally realized now who A.J. Reed is. Oh, okay. Now we're taking pictures of him and saying he looks like a you know defensive lineman. And I, you know, of course, guys like me that have been writing about him for two years have been saying that all along, and now it's like a revelation. Oh, A.J. Breed's a big guy, and it's like it's so annoying to him. It's like, oh, yeah. I know that. I've been writing about him for the last two years. And it's yeah. like, uh, you just want to, like, scream. Like, why doesn't anybody yeah. listen to me? <laughs> well, you, you know, Rich, you mean at 6'4", 250, he doesn't look like Billy Hamilton? Yeah, like, come right. on. <laughs> like, what's with, what's with that? Uh, but I'm it's shocked. A bit, it's a big two for him. The guy's a big dude. I mean, not fat, not fat. He's just, mm-hmm. he's big. Well, apparently he lost. Uh, he went on a pretty good conditioning program. I heard over the winter, and he showed up. Uh, and we can probably say in the best shape of his life. Uh, lost some weight, uh, added some muscle, and he's a, he's just a big boy, isn't he? 
He's a big boy. He was. He looked a little bit like uh, Matt Adams when I saw him last uh, a year ago, and it was like, wow, it's a it's a big big dude and not not a good body. You know, it wasn't a good body, so maybe he's toned up a little bit. But Tim, here's going back to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Fill in the blank for me. I got Kershaw, Casimir, Maida, Wood, blank. Um, I don't care unless it's Jose De Leon or Urias. How's that? Yeah. It it seems like Tim. There ain't nobody else. Exactly, Mike no. Bolsinger. Well, do you want to do you want to own either one of those two guys? Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather wait for more interesting things. Jarrell Cotton. The I'm telling you, the Dodgers like Jarrell Cotton. They love how, him to death. So how old is this kid, Rich? I don't know, twenty four, twenty five, something like that. Mm. But I got some really, really good reports over him on the in the winter time and uh okay. apparently his stuff has you know, he's a number four starter. He's not gonna be a great fantasy player. But mm. sometimes guys come up to him as you know on the first seven or eight starts can be really good. I know they like him. I would mm. think it's Jose De Leon. I would think he's the first responder out of the mix and okay. if he starts at the beginning of the season, Tim, that's gonna be really, yeah. really good for your fantasy team. Well, yeah, I, I sort of wish Cotton was an offensive player because I would love to be in the crowd and hear, and now we have Cotton batting. <laughs> okay. He could still bat, Tim. So, okay, uh, okay. Right, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk sorry, about Robert Sorry, Rich. No, that, okay. that, that was really crazy. just, just uh, squelch to the uh, show, Tim. <laughs> so. uh, well, as Doug Cooper has reminded us many times, nobody nobody listens anyway. So <laughs> that's I guess true. Just, I mean, that was, yeah, that was very hurtful. Very, very funny, but very hurtful. Would you not agree? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm still laughing about it, Rich. I think it was, I think it was hilarious. Albert Pujols, Tim, they say, is ahead of schedule from his plantar fasciitis surgery. Now, you would say, oh, so what? He probably isn't. But remember when Albert Pujols broke his arm and only missed 15 days? Yeah, I remember that uh, because I was trying to figure out. I remember we were talking about it, and I broke my wrist, and I was down and out for what, 13 months? Yeah. <laughs> the quick healer uh, Albert was there. 15 games? Wow. Yeah, his ADP, Tim, is 92.95, 92.95, and he's the 12th first baseman off the board. This seems like a little value down there for me. Well, it seems like a little bit, but I, I'm still a little concerned. Did he have surgery for his plantar fasciitis, or did he have surgery to have his ligaments on his toe reattached to his plantar plate? And are they two different things? I'm not quite sure on that one. Uh, yeah, so your flash of tendon, Tim, goes along the bottom of your foot. Uh, of your foot. That can get right. inflamed, and, and actually that tendon will have a tendency to peel off of your, literally peel off of your bone. So, okay. So it could have been all of the above. Uh, Because as as that goes and that starts to peel away, then there's no tension there, and then bad stuff can happen to other parts of your foot. It can get really, really ugly. Uh, And they try to do that without surgery because once they surgically repair that tendon, it's it's never the same. So uh, Mm -hmm. so they do that as last course, but it's a very, very painful uh, recovery process. I know this, Tim, because I had lots of plantar... It's very common for people with flat feet, people that uh, who are big runners, which apparently I have both of those, and they were able to fix mine before I had to go for surgery. So I know all of the bad things that can happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I... I'm I'm just a little concerned, you know, because of you know he's he's a power bat. How much how much power is 
arrived at as a result of of that stance, his feet. How important is that in his game? And it's very important. So uh, I would say there is tentative value, but I'm still not rushing out because I still have some concerns, uh, Rich. Much the same as I had concerns with Miggy Cabrera last year. And I I don't know how it's going to work out with Albert, but I'm probably just going to avoid that whole situation. The Marcus Potter rule sort of comes into play for me. I agree with you. So speaking of the Marcus Potter role, let's skip over Cam- Cameron Maven and go to Christian Yelich, who I said mm. I really thought was going to have a breakout year. Last year was really, really down on him because he he has a herniated disc and he missed a considerable time. And I'm like, how is he going to get any torque out of his bat? And how is he going to seal mm. his bases? He, he, he had an okay season last year. And I really thought he'd have a breakout. But Timmy's already back to, day-to-day with back stiffness. Is, is this a Marcus Potter rule here, like, wait a minute, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be drafting Christian Yelich. Uh, you know, I, I own him in one league I drafted early in, back in December. But based on this news, I, I don't want to go through another day-to-day season with Christian Yelich. And you know what? He could be fine. But there are other options in the range where Yelich is being drafted. And I'm gonna th- I think I'm going to take the other, uh, the other road wherever possible, Rich. I think, Tim, if you're drafting, unless he drops a lot, I think if you're drafting wherever his ADP is today, you got to let him go two or three rounds before you, 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 you jump into it. It's, there's just too many other guys out there, and you don't need kind of that headache to start the season off. Well, no. You want to try and get out of the gate without using six of your eight DL slots, right? I totally agree. Interactive chat room, uh, Ryan Zimmerman's plantar fasciitis is already acting up again. And that's from Veteran Presence. That's another guy that uh, has just chronic foot problems. Well, yeah, I'll take C.J. Cron before I take Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, well, I drafted him in my mock draft uh, thanks to you, Tim, so I'm expecting big thanks. Uh, that's what we like to hear. C.J. Cron <laughs> for MVP. <laughs> there we go. Now it's Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt's our MVP. Okay, sorry. He's a dark, dark horse MVP this year. Cameron Maven fractured his wrist on a fastball by Luis Severino. That's tough, man. <laughs> first, yeah. day, first day, uh, first game's out there and you break your wrist. Is that Anthony Ghost? Does that get him some playing time, Tim? Well, yeah, I would have to think you're looking at probably uh, a full month of Anthony Ghost playing full-time. Cheap speed. Could get you six, seven, eight stolen bases in the month. Uh, yeah, if you're looking late, uh, definitely Ghosts, uh, you know, has has the potential to be a, a speed bonus. But I also like Cameron Maben now because he's dropping so far off the charts. It, it's a broken wrist. It's it's not a career-threatening injury. Uh, if I can get Maben really, really late, I'll pick him up and stash him. You know, there's still four and a half, five months of the season that he could be actively involved in. And, you know, there's some value there if you can get him in the 24th, 25th round. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tim. And, uh, uh, yeah, unfortunately, though, again, only in leagues like Tout where people are really aware of this. Others, if you're in these um, free leagues, I mean, people are probably take him right around where his ADP is. Well, yeah, I right now I think he's going somewhere in the ah, 16th to 18th round. So it's not going to be a, a huge problem, I don't think, either way. Is Jimmy Rollins really going to be the shortstop in Chicago, Tim? And does that mean that you really need to draft Tim Anderson? Because we, 30, Jimmy Rollins is 37 years old, and he's not lost a step. He's lost three steps. Well, yeah, but... Uh, Tim Anderson, is he ready? Uh, 
you know, you no. look at his numbers last year at double A, no. 114 <laughs> strikeouts, 24 walks. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to go with Jimmy Rollins, but I think where you've got a uh, bench slot situation of, you know, six to eight, uh, I would save some money because I think Tim Anderson, uh, and it, it's absolutely perfect because he's turning 23, okay, on the 23rd of June. What would be a better birthday present for Tim Anderson other than to get called up? Yeah, I think Anderson can bring you some speed. I, I just don't think, I don't know how good he's going to be. And I, I wrote that in my, my rookie article. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking for a bat, I, I just can't believe it's Jim, it's J-Roll. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, except all these, what, what they're doing is they're bridging a the gap until they believe Anderson's ready. And hopefully it's uh, sometime in mid-June. Trey Turner, sooner. Tim, has already hit a home run. He's, I saw him play today. He's already stolen a base. I don't know. <laughs> I just said yeah. I wrote. The, I wrote in the notes that is all. I, I don't even know what to say except it's the <laughs> Trey Turner bitch session. <laughs> it's like, well, come on, give the guy a chance. <laughs> well, they will, but unfortunately, it'll probably be a month or two into the season. Uh, it's a shame. I, I can't figure that one out for the life of me. But uh, I only pretend to be a general manager. I don't get paid to be one. So, you know. <laughs> What can I say? As far as I'm concerned, Turner should be in that. He should be breaking camp. It's his job. JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., Tim, off to a, hard, a hot start. Are you sold? Uh, relative to his draft slot, yeah. I, I don't think we're looking at a guy that you're going to have to worry about drafting anywhere before about the 20th round. There's no helium there whatsoever. You know, he had that, uh, he had that good August. You know, batted three fifty four, five homers, twenty three RBIs. But you know what? What I did like is you know you look back at Pawtucket last year, and his uh, strikeout to walk ratio was forty four thirty. He's got the glove. Uh, I think there's some sneaky value there relative to his draft slot. Now I'm not going to pay a fortune for him. I'm going to pay try and pay next to nothing. But I think his glove will keep him in the lineup, and I think there's enough offense there in a deep league. He can provide some value. Interesting. Home runs and uh, stolen bases and batting average for the young man this year, Timmy? 16-12-260. 16 home runs, 12 stolen bases, 260 batting average. I think you're heavy on home runs and stolen bases and about right on batting average. I'm going to take the under on home runs and stolen bases. Okay. Uh, I'll go steak and liquor on Jackie. Okay. Done like dinner. So what do you want to make the uh, home run? 16 and 12? You're going to take that? Yeah, I'll I'll, t- I'll take uh, I'll take that. Being the sporting lad that I am, yeah, I, yeah, I can live with that. All right, good because that's a, that's an easy one. So so Alan, please get that up on the board if you don't mind. Uh, steak and liquor. I got under on home runs and stolen bases. I'll even give Timmy the push on that, so he wins if he hits sixteen or more or twelve, twelve or more stolen bases. I let him. I'll let you get on the number, Tim. I forgot about Willie Peralta, Tim, and I saw he pitched two scoreless innings. Uh, taking a little nibble. I don't even know where he's going from an ADP standpoint. I'll take a look at that. But remember, Willie Peralta was supposed to be something. He stunk, but uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, right now he's going 149th off the board. Okay. so I got him. Uh, he's, he's going 280, 218 on the NFBC, uh, 218th pitcher off the board, 533 ADP. <laughs> so. Oh, really? I don't yeah. know where I got 149 from, but obviously uh, that must I'm be looking... last. That must be last year, Timmy, because he is—he's uh, yeah. not even draftable uh, in this. Uh, yeah, it's a pass for me. There's there's pitchers that you can draft that have something called 
what I believe is upside. Yeah. So, you know, Peralta, yeah, hey, if you're in a 30-team, 30-team uh, uh, mixed format and you're down to the 23rd round, yeah, throw a buck, throw, you know, make a, make a move. But in, you know, 10, 12, 15-team leagues, not, no interest at all. Our good friend Jersey Hitman in the interactive chat room says, would you rather have Ghost or Rajah Davis? Tim, I'll ask the question to you. I think I'd rather have Rajah Davis. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'd rather have Rajah Davis. Uh, Almonte is out until, what, the All-Star break? Yep. Uh, so, you, you know, you got you got at least half a season. you you got Brantley, who's uh, who's down and out for the first while. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think once uh, Maben's back and ready to go, then go shifts into a fourth outfielder role. Davis, the potential is there for uh, for more playing time, I believe. Okay. Timmy, when we get back, uh, do you want to do a guess the player now, or would you uh, you want to break and then uh, do a guess the player after the break? Your your choice. Uh, let's do it now. That way I can pout during the break because I finished second again. Okay. Uh, this surprised me a little bit. I'm sure you'll know who it is. Mm. Uh, but uh, I was a little shocked at this. And we talked about closers last week, and it didn't didn't resonate with me last last week. So this is a closer, Tim. Okay. Uh, this is a guy who, let me give you a stat line, 57 innings last year, 62 strikeouts, 11 walks, so a 6-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio, 38 saves, a 2.21 ERA, and a .86 whip. Mr. McLeod, hmm. give you a chance to think about that as I scroll down and play the think music. Who the heck hmm. is this player? I'm going to go with K-Rod. Timmy, you're absolutely correct. It is K-Rod, 13th closer <sighs> off the board. Tim, I was shocked when I read that uh, stat line. I'll be back in a second. got to pat myself on the back. I think I'm now one for the past four years, Rich. I am that, on a roll. That was impressive, Tim. I think there's tremendous value as a 13th closer. If, that's, if he could do that again, I know he's 33 years old, but he's a proven closer. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with K-Rod. He's got the job. He's not looking over his shoulder. uh, And, you know, he's been a very consistent closer for a long time. Uh, Him and Houston Street, along the same lines, they're, you know, they got the job. Nobody's challenging them. They're boring as heck. But they post good numbers and they get the job done. I I think there's tremendous value with K-Rod where he's going right now. Houston Street's going to strike out. K. Rod's going to strike out a lot more guys than Houston Street does. So he's going around that with A.J. Ramos and Brad Bucks, yep. Boxberger, uh, I, Sean Tallis, and I, I'd rather have K. Rod on all those guys. Yep, I have no problems with that concept whatsoever, Rich. All right, Timmy, when we get back, let me get back up here to our break music. When we get back, I'm turning over the reins to you, and you're going to talk to me about impact. Tim can do everything better than me, better fantasy baseball player, better dancer, and he's a better host than I am. So I'm going to turn the reins over. Tim, you a good dancer? Um, I have two left feet, uh, Rich, <laughs> but I'm real good with them, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a well, yes. dancer, Tim. I, I'm, yes. I'm at, I have one left foot and one right foot, and I can't even dance. So. Well, no. I, you, know, I, you know, Leo Sayer uh, put together that song with me in mind, okay? 
What song is that? I it escapes. You know I can't dance. You know I can't dance. Uh, I haven't. I, I'm not familiar. I remember Leo Sayer. The he had the big curly kind of afro back in the mm-hmm. 70s, right? Yeah. 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 And he dressed in a like a clown costume for a while. Yeah. 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 All right, Timmy. Yeah. It's your yeah. uh, Adam Prospect 361. I wrote wrote about impact rookies AL and NL. I broke them down. Timmy, ask me any question you want. Tell me why I'm all wrong with them. No, I would I would never do that because I don't think you are. Uh, the biggest problem I have with this segment, Rich, is because of my uh, I can't open up any windows. Okay, so can we make this sort of like a joint conversation? Like uh, as far as the order is concerned, uh, you've got uh, you've got it broken down into several different categories. Can we start say with the with the AL your your sure. pick? Your, you know, your, your, your top five. Time. Yeah, yeah exactly. There. Time. So I got the guy significant playing time in this order. Byron Buxton, Jose Barrios, Bung Ho Park, Hun Soo Kim, followed by A.J. Reed. All of those guys, I think, will start the year either on the big league roster or come up very, very soon. Okay. A couple questions. Uh, Park, Maeda, and Kim. Rank them, Rich. How would you take them? Park, Maeda, and Kim in that order. Okay, so you're a big believer that there are more Grand Slams to follow? I don't know if you heard the news, but I guess Park yeah. uh, nailed one today off of Odorizzi. Yeah, I I think Park, you know, I do worry, like, if you're in a dynasty league and you draft him, he's DH only probably going forward, so I think that, he loses a little bit of value there. I'm a little low on Park as compared to everybody else. I mean, I, I got him for 19 home runs this year. So, I mean, I could see him hit 20, low 20s. I don't think he's a 30-home right. run guy at all. Uh, okay. I, think that, I think he'll struggle with his batting average. I had him down at 255. I thought that was a little generous. I do like Maida. I think he's a little safer, but he's still a pitcher, and, you know, he's got that elbow issue barking at him. And, Tim, mm-hmm. I know you're a huge Kim fan, but I'm t- I just – uh, I've never seen the guy play, so I'm only going on what people have told me and the uh, rainy YouTube videos I've seen him on. He he can really handle the stick. He's going to, if you're in a, a, a league that values runs, I think it's a really good league. But the secondary skills just aren't there for me. I think there's not going to be any speed, and I think he's less than 15 home runs. I got him at 11 home runs, so I'm not okay. in him. Yeah, no, I'm already starting to field all sorts of questions because I was fairly bullish on Kim Rich. And, you know, he started off the spring training 04, and uh, that's not breeding a whole lot of confidence. Uh, uh, I, you know, I'm, one of my smart, smart aleck responses will ask me in August, but uh, we're going to have to make some decisions before then. And he's off to a slow start. Uh, Byron Buxton, he's currently going the 40th outfielder off the board, okay? Uh, just before him is Gardner, Burns, and uh, Pilar. Right after him is Peterson, Granderson, Trumbo, Grychek, Fowler, DeShields. Is he in the right spot? Uh, I, you know, some of the I, I, I don't agree with all those guys around him. Uh, right. Burns, I still don't believe in Burns. I don't believe in Pilar. I, I okay. would have rather have Byron Buxton ahead of those guys, and some of the other guys I'd rather have much far, far ahead, farther ahead of Byron Buxton. But Bux, Buxton's got all the upside. There's no question, Tim. This guy could be a superstar. I'm not sure he's ready. Okay, no, fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm looking myself personally at a, a fairly slow growth curve, and I think he's going to be a very very good player, but I don't think it's going to happen all at once in 2016. And is that where you're coming from? Yeah, I mean. 
Gregory Polanco is another guy that is in the same category as a Byron Buxton. Five tools, uh, has a bit of a long swing. Uh, Gregory Polanco has really been working hard on that. Uh, but it's always been the hit tool with GP. I, I think this could be his breakout year. And if he does, you're going to see him blow up. But it, it, he's been two years of okay production. It's okay. And I yeah. think Byron Buxton's going to be okay. You're going to go out. That's good. I thought he'd be better, and then one day you're going to turn around, and he's going to be going number five in a, in a, in a draft. Mm, okay, fair enough. Would you draft A.J. Reed in a 15-team redraft league, Rich? And the reason I'm asking this is because, you know, you've got him ranked high, but at the same point in time, you've also built in some warning signs and some cautions because, you know, you've got Singleton, and you've got, you know, the other kid hit, what, two home runs, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Or Duffy hit two home runs. You know, there's some options there. Would you Would you go out and draft A.J. Reed in a 15-team redraft? I, I, I haven't yet, and I don't think I would. Um, I, You know, first of all, I, I do have some information about what I'm going to share. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I do know that the Houston Astros want to, to, by the way, I love saying Astros. I know it's Astros, but I like saying Astros. Um, the, the Astros would love to see Reed spend some time at AAA. Uh, so I know that for a fact sometimes duty calls, they have a really good team, so if they feel like he's the guy that can do it, they'll bring him up. I'm not sure he's coming up at the end of April. I, I, I could see him coming up in the second half of the year. I do think that Jonathan Singleton will be given every opportunity to make it if he doesn't. Tyler White is the next guy going to be off the board. He just is. They think he's ahead. Uh, he's ahead of him. Tyler White also won the MVP in one of the winter leagues this year. He did really well there. Uh, the guy can play. So I, I okay. can see them giving him an opportunity before uh, A.J. Reed. And i got to tell you, that kid can play. Okay. No, I, I was just, just curious on, on your take on would you – you know, you're looking at, I assume, a waiver wire ad at some point in time, assuming uh, Singleton breaks camp with the job. Yeah. On I mean, White. The, the, yeah, uh, yeah, I would probably not draft him because uh, it's a too speculative for me. Everybody's going, no one's going to pick up White except if, if other players in this league listen to this podcast. You don't know if they're <laughs> right. in this podcast, so they're going to draft them. Uh, but everybody's going to draft Reed. I would just tap out of that whole Houston first base situation and go somewhere else. And you've got 29 other teams to play with. Go somewhere else for it. And then pick up Tyler White when nobody's looking. Okay. Solid, solid strategy. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, you want me to go to the next group grouping, Tim? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you could. Yeah, that, that would call-ups. i got three of them. i got Blake Snell. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Zimmer and Michael Former, who I say I could be a little light because he could be up sooner than midseason, but those are the three midseason guys I have. Okay, of those three, you got one slot, Rich. Who are you? Who are you picking? And are you going to leave all three to the waiver wire? Um, well, Blake Snell will be taken, um, so I, I, I probably not going to partake in that. I actually think, and I could be dead wrong, the best pitcher out of those three is Kyle Zimmer. There's no question in my mind he is the best pitcher. Uh, He is coming off of two years of injuries. Uh, The Royals definitely want to get him up sometime this year. I don't know how many games he's going to pitch. In fact, I have him at 75 innings. I think he's really, really good 75 innings. And it's 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 a bit of a crapshoot whether he comes up. 
Michael Fulmer, say, having said that, could be the best best pitcher of all three of those, and nobody will draft him. So if Blake Snell goes in the 17th round, I don't feel good about Kyle Zimmer. I might just, on my 28th pick in a 15-team in a league, I might just take Michael Fulmer. Well, that's very interesting to know, being that I've got a rather important draft coming up in two days. Uh, <laughs> I know it isn't all about me, but hey, I, I had to know, Rich. Just curious. So here's my wild card, Simi. These are the guys that I think okay. are going to come up this year. I just don't know when. So I know you have other names. So I'm just going to list them out to you. Dylan Bundy, right. Tyler White, right. who's already talked about, Max Kepler, Sean Manaya, Gary Sanchez, Tim Anderson, Lewis Brinson, Francis Marte. Those are my, I don't know, eight, nine guys. Yeah, I, hey, and they're all, they're all fine. They're all fine speculative picks, Rich. The one that jumped out at me, Francis Marte. He's got three starts at double A. He just turned 20. What do you see in Marte that that makes you believe that we could see him this year? I, I just look at, I haven't seen him pitch. I don't know that much about him, but all that jumped out at me was just turned 20. Uh, there's a reason you've got him on the list. What's that reason? Two reasons, Tim. One, his stuff is really premium stuff, big fastball, really quickly improving secondary pitches. And the second thing is the Houston Astros love this kid. They absolutely love this kid. In fact, I had on very, very um, good information that he was going to be called up sometime going into the playoffs last year. So down the stretch, they wanted him in the bullpen uh, just, you know, to provide a big arm. And they elected Mm -hmm. not to do that. But uh, they love this kid. And uh, he's based on Dynasty League drafts. A lot of people love this kid as well. So uh, there's a lot of love out there for Francis Marte. Okay, no, uh, fair enough. I just don't know that much about him. And wanted you to fill in our uh, listeners uh, on young Mr. Marte. Moving on to the NL. Well, just a second, Tim. May I comment on Gary Sanchez? Yeah, you certainly may, yeah. Gary Sanchez... He could be this year's Kyle Schwarber. Just saying, right? I mean, this guy this guy can hit. He is a oh, hitter. Yeah. Uh, well, you saw him at the Arizona Fall League. That's right. So, No, you didn't. But, uh, no, I didn't. There. I missed it. So, but the guy can flat out hit. He's not a good catcher. But I make the comment in the article that if people get injured, he's going to get a chance to play. Can you take a look at all the old guys on the Yankee squad? Tim, somebody's going to get injured. I think they're going to call him up to do a DH first base catching kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if he comes up and really, really hits. Well, let's face it, uh, Tex is not going to get in 600 at-bats at first base. They're already talking about the possibility of moving McCann to first base for additional at-bats. Well, you know, when McCann moves to first base, who they got to catch her, Rich? Uh, I totally agree. And uh, yeah, get, Gary Sanchez is not a good catcher. I've, mm. I've seen him catch so many times. He is, I would call, serviceable now. It's not going to be a disaster, but it, it is not uh, Yachty or Molina by any stretch back there. Yeah, he, and the Yankees don't. The Yankees don't really care, do they? They want that stick in the lineup if they can get it, right? Timmy, let's move to the NL. I'll give you the three names I have with significant playing time: Corey Seager, Stephen Matz, Kent Tomato. Kent Tomato. Yeah. Kent Tomato. Yeah. I'm still learning to say his name properly. Ah, made in Japan, yes. Okay. Corey Seager, you have him at 22 home runs, 85 RBIs. That would make him the second best shortstop in baseball, in all probability, because I'm only counting on too low to get in 400 at-bats. 
Will you personally pony up in the fourth round for Corey Seager this year? Yes. Ballsy, I like it. <laughs> I could be I could be dead wrong, but uh yeah. I chose to take uh Tulo in the fourth round just because I thought there was a little bit more security there. Um, right. And I'm hoping that I get, if I get 400 bats, I'm probably going to get 20 home runs, particularly in Toronto. So I'll take the less risk there. And mm-hmm. I think I got uh, Keto, Marte, Keto Marte as my backup shortstop. So in that, okay. I knew I was taking a risk on Tulo. So I said, I better have a backup there. So I took Keto Marte. So I feel pretty good about my shortstop position. But Corey Seager can play. Uh, I've seen him play really well. I've seen him play poorly. But the guy's mm-hmm. got really great skills. And uh, he, he showed a lot down the stretch last year. And I, I don't, he's not going to be as good as Carlos Correa, but it's – going to be in the same ballpark. Okay. Uh, Steven Matz, 125 innings pitched, over or under? I think it's over, but I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to put it over 150. I, I'm just not. I mean, I think that's that's his upper limit. A, there's okay. going to be some injuries. I mean, we talked about with Brett Anderson and others. I mean, there's some guys that just get hurt, and Steven Matz has never been able to stay healthy. And even Timmy, if he's going balls out all season long and he makes it all the way to uh, August, you're going to start to see the Mets start to pull back on his innings because the guy has never pitched a lot of innings. So they're not going to mm-hmm. blow him out. If you know if they're going to be as good as they were last year and have a chance to make the playoffs, which I think they will, you're going to see him missing starts down the stretch. And if you're in a head-to-head league, that ain't good. No, you're you know the Mets are going to want him for the playoffs. They're not going to burn him out in the regular season. Uh, I, I agree with you there. So tempering expectations as you head down the stretch would be very, very prudent approach. Uh, the next group, Rich. Okay, the next group, uh, Tyler Glasnow, Trey Turner. These are guys that are midseason call-ups. Tyler Glasnow, Trey Turner, Orlando Arcia, J.P. Crawford, Nick Williams, Josh Bell, Robert Stevenson. These are all guys that I think have come up midseason. By the way, the National League has a lot more impact rookies that I think mm. that are out there. The only guy that I have no idea about is Trey Turner. I could be completely wrong. He could be up. He could start the season, Tim, or he might stay in the minor leagues the whole year. I'm splitting the difference and saying he's called up midseason. Well, that's a safe approach to take, especially with the question marks surrounding him. Josh Bell, is he going to hit for power, Rich? We haven't seen it yet. What leads you to believe that either he will or won't uh, hit for sufficient power uh, at first base? Uh, I've seen him play a ton. Uh, I've I've uh, been taught how to evaluate players. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. gone, I've done it uh, uh, at school, and I've also done it sitting in hundreds of games. Um, okay. He's got physicality. He's got... Um, the strength, the bat speed to eventually hit for power. I do not think he is James Loney. Uh, He doesn't have a whole lot of loft, but guys like that that are just strong, big, strong guys that just hit the tar out of the ball will learn to put backspin on the ball, which will only help in the trajectory of the ball. So he might uh, continue to swing level, but I think that kind of profile says 20 20 to 25 home run power to me. It's not going to be this year. I got him pegged okay. at seven home runs, but he mm-hmm. can hit, and that's the most important thing. He can hit. He's got a really good hit tool, really good eye up at the plate. He's going to walk a lot, and I think the power is going to come. So you got him in a keeper dynasty league. I think you're going to be in pretty good shape by 2018 for power. Okay. 
Orlando Arcia and J.P. Crawford look to be on basically the same schedule for arrival. Yep. You can ha- you can have one of those two guys, but you don't have room for two. Who are you taking? Uh, for this year and this year only, I'm taking Orlando Arcia, uh, just because I I have a sneaky suspicion, I have no inside knowledge that he'll definitely get caught up. J.P. Crawford, they might decide that he's a bit more grooming. So that's why the only reason I have um, kind of the production down a little bit on J.P. Crawford, I'm just not sure they come up at the same time, but I do think they're in the same uh, time frame. J.P. Crawford can flat out hit. I mean, it's, it's really going to be a very, very good player. The, the power, he hasn't shown the power yet. I don't know how much power he'll eventually show. But I think they're very comparable, similar players. I just think Garcia, I, and I know, Tim, I know you are owning, I know you're a big fan of Jonathan VR. I ain't the answer, man. <laughs> it's not the answer <laughs> in Milwaukee. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think don't take be, a liquor on that. <laughs> uh, no, you don't have to be sorry on that one. I gave up the ghost a long time ago. But, you know, it, it's funny because, uh, we drafted VR in DL2, and the next day, Ian Desmond signed. We own Ian Desmond. The only reason we drafted VR was because we had a hole and were trying to fill it, anticipating Desmond wouldn't sign until after uh, after the draft. So uh, I don't think VR has a long lifespan on our DL2 team, Rich. Yeah, but yeah, you, you know, how's the value to start the season off? He's going to get the he's going to get the job. I just it's not going to be that good. He'll get you. 10, 15 stolen bases. Hopefully the yeah. batting average won't embarrass you. And then at some point, Orlando RC is going to come up and it's bye-bye Jonathan VR. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, can VR play third base would be the next question, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> because short, uh, short, shortstop ain't going to be uh, – he's not going to hold anybody up at shortstop. <laughs> any, any thoughts about any of those other guys, Timmy? Uh, yeah, you got one slot to fill. Uh, DeLeon or Giolito? Um, for this year, Giolito is a, a way better pitcher than because um, I, I got Giolito in the wild card. I just don't know. Right. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to say Jose De Leon just because I think I have. Do I have all those guys in the wild card? Yeah, I have all those in the wild. Let me give all the yep. wild cards and I'll answer your question. Jose uh, okay. Peraza, Jose De Leon, Julio Urias, Lucas Giolito, James and Tyon, Hunter Renfro, Manny Margot. Jesse Winker, Alex Reyes, Michael Reed, Gerald Cotton. And out of the two, you mentioned, look, Giolito is a much, much better pitcher. Call me, I agree. Jay, it, call me old school. I don't trust Dusty Baker as far as I can throw a refrigerator. Uh, there's an open slot in Los Angeles today. Jose right. De Leon is the most ready of all the pitchers in the minor leagues. I think he gets a start out of the gate, unless it's Cotton. But I think he gets a start out of the gate. And uh, I, I think that's where they go. So I think he's going to be the most likely to get the call as opposed to Giolito. Okay, super. That's uh, I, I, I hey, I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think Giolito owns anywhere near the pitcher Giolito, but in a short burst like 2016, he could have more value, couldn't he? No, I, I think so. I mean, it's it, it. This is not about long-term value. This is about the next 162 games. Right, exactly. 60, 62 games, yeah, right. Well, I almost said 61 games. I almost, I almost did a full paw there, Tim. Well, you know, it's, you know, you were obviously thinking of the Braves wanting it to be done earlier, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I just I just had a brain cramp there. Uh, it happens. Uh, Jesse Winker. 
with all the talk about Jay, Jay Bruce being shopped, okay, they they tried to trade him, it fell through. I think it's inevitable that Jay Bruce gets moved, okay? Jesse Winker, uh, midseason, possibly earlier, would you take a stab at drafting him in redraft leagues? Yes, sir, I would. I think he can, First of all, I think the guy's a lot better than everybody thinks. He can flat-out hit, really good. He's going to walk. It's going to be a high on-base percentage guy. Somebody wrote somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was uh, Twitter out on my site, is he a poor man's Joey Votto? In, in other words, on-base machine. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at him, a poor man's Joey Votto on-base uh, on base kind of capabilities. And I think he's got 20 home run power. You could do a lot worse, and nobody's talking about this guy. There's no well, outfielders in Cincinnati, Tim, none. Well, yeah, you, you know, you you got Billy Hamilton in center field that's still working on getting his shoulder into shape and can't get it on base in the first place. And you, you got Bruce being traded. I don't. Who else is in Cincinnati? Duvall. Uh, yeah, not a lot. Duvall's got a chance. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 the guy that came over from Los Angeles. Uh, Els begins uh, with an S. Scribbler, whatever. He's got a yeah. chance. Uh, but I, you know, I, Jesse Winker is a guy that uh, he was, was my number one prospect in that organization. He's much better than everybody thought. And I still got Michael Reed down there, Timmy. Uh, you and I, I got a liquor bit. I got Michael Reed. You got the uh, <laughs> the other cat. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to win that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty confident. I'm uh, very Manny, confident, Tim. <laughs> yes, Manny Margot. Half a season in the minors. You're predicting a midseason call up. Give me a stolen base numbers in the second half, Rich. Uh, 14. 14. Okay, fair enough. So, obviously, he's not getting called up to, uh, he's going to be playing. I think he's going to play, yeah, I, I really do. I mean, uh, again, who's the center fielder out there, Tim? i, I got to go to Roto World and take a look at the depth chart. I, I don't know who the center fielder is. It's not going to be Will Myers. I think Will Myers moves in the first base, eventually. Yeah, Jankowski, maybe? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a bad team, yeah. I remember the last Ooh. year there was such great hope, and it just it mm. just went a kaplooey. Yeah, we saw a complete reversal uh, in philosophies coming out of AJ, didn't we? Uh, let's let's build it. Let's get the players in there. We're going to contend. Uh, we're back to rebuilding again, aren't we? Yeah, you got obviously you got Matt Kemp in right field. You got John right. Jay in left field. Really, uh, you got uh, Jankowski in center field. Melvin Upton. I mean, come on! Okay. There's nobody out there. I mean, and they're they're not they're rebuilding. So this is a chance for Manny Margot to come up, and they traded they they traded uh, Craig Kimbrell for Manny Margot. So I think that's a guy that they they want to see, and I, I think the power is really going to play down, obviously, in Petco and Hunter Renfro mentioned mm-hmm. him before. I don't think the power is going to play down. I, I think you can see by the end of the year, Manny Margot in center, Hunter Renfro in left, and Matt Kemp in right. I would love to see that. Get both of those guys up there and uh, get some youth into that organization. Yeah, no, that that makes total sense, Rich. And that's pretty well it as far as... uh, Anybody I dreadfully missed? uh, No, not dreadfully, but I got some names for you. Yeah, because the big name is probably Trevor Story. So that's that's the guy that, given Jose Reyes, is looking more and more like he's going to start the year as your shortstop. Um, with the Colorado Rockies. I just don't know how good he's going to be. That's why he didn't make the list. So I'll answer that yeah. question ahead of time. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, he was on the list. Yeah, you covered that one very nicely. I saved that one. The other guy you really missed on, I think, is Keon Broxton in Milwaukee, but we don't need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You, you, you knew I was going to take a shot there, didn't you? That's <laughs> uh, okay, Tim. Uh, you know, we got the steak yeah. and liquor, uh, and I'm going to try yeah. to make it down this year for the official Arizona 
Fall League, at least down, at least watch some games with you. So I'm going to try to work mm. my schedule so that we can be down there together. And uh, That'd be awesome. we'll, be, we'll be celebrating steak and liquor, so uh, for sure, tube steaks and and, and uh, lemonades. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me, Rich. In, in the AL, we got uh, how about Dejo Lee in Seattle as a long shot for at bats. Say, say the name again. I didn't catch it, Tim. Uh, Dejo Lee, the Korean uh, guy that played in Japan the past couple of years. Uh, Tim, I'm not familiar with him. I apologize. So maybe not you a problem. Can that question. I mean, what did he do in what did he do in uh, in the Asian leagues? Uh, in the Japanese league, he had 31 home runs uh, last year. He's a, he's a big power bat. They're looking at him as a potential DH uh, platoon situation, maybe first base, some games at first base. Long shot, but he might in deep AL only provide some value. Okay. Thanks for that, Tim. I'm just not familiar with it. Yeah. Nick Trapiano for the Angels. Yeah, pass. I mean, I, uh, I've, I've, I've never yeah, – he's okay, Tim. I think he's a yeah. swing guy, number five starter. I think minimal – impact on your fantasy baseball team could he come up and have a couple of good games yeah and and, and this is how tim wins league so pick up nick trippiana and he'll get five good uh games and the sixth game will blow up and tim will drop him that's how tim wins leagues i i've already know the sixth game is coming and miss out on the first five so that's the difference between tim and me right tim? If, I, if, I, if, I, if i put it down that's the difference between you and me yeah well exactly and you'll you'll find a way to get him in your active roster for game six to ten right Exactly. Well, I no, I, I'm not even gonna pick him up. So Tim, I'm gonna go. Man, he's gonna stink. And you go, yeah, he'll stink eventually. Yeah. And get uh, you know seventy or what? And five games, you'll get uh, forty strikeouts and a good ERA mm. and WHIP. And I'll get I'll get bupkis, Tim, because he won't be on mm. the team. Yeah. No, I just look at that uh, Angels rotation. You know, they got Richards and they got Heaney, right? And after they got after that, they got the hard tossing uh, Weaver, San Diego, C.J. Wilson. Shoemaker, maybe Skaggs. There might be an opportunity. It's a long shot, but uh, there, there might be an, be an opportunity, opportunity. There for sure. I mean, Skaggs, Skaggs is an interesting name. I mean, that guy coming yeah, back from Tommy is. John surgery uh, wasn't that good when he went down for Tommy John surgery. Let's a great prospect and once a very highly touted prospect, but was never a great pitcher, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the major league. So. I think we have to be very cautious there uh, and not think that he's really going to come up and, and really do well. Right. Uh, Sun, uh, Sun Juan uh, Oh in St. Louis. Well, that's another uh, one of your guys, Tim. I, again, I don't follow the Asian guys except for the big ones, so I don't really consider yeah. them rookies just because they, they've come over from the Asian League. So tell us what you think he'll do. Well, you know, they're looking at slotting him in uh, if he can if he can do the job, and he was a premier closure, closer in Asia. He's going to slot into the setup role. And he's one injury to Trevor Rosenthal away from potentially saves. So I think it's somebody that people should keep an eye on in the event that Rosenthal does have some problems. Assuming, of course, that it was successful. Just a you know a deeper pick. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was watching the Cardinals game today, and Trevor Rosenthal right. obviously still very rusty from the winter, didn't pitch very well. But I was just yeah. looking at that team and. I mean, Wong, I just don't know how good he's going to be. And, uh, again, I'm not a big guy on Grychuk. Uh, you know, I take a lot of abuse for that. I mean, I love the fact that he's busting out of his jersey. He's got muscle on top of muscle. But, man, no plate discipline and a huge long swing. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I mm. like that team or not. Yeah. How about Jorge Polanco in Minnesota? Yes. That was one guy I officially missed. I do think he could be your shortstop by midseason. Okay, yeah, and no, I, I certainly like the kid, and I don't think Eduardo Escobar is the answer, is he? 
nope, uh, neither is Danny Santana. And, and, and Jorge Polanco is a, a nice little player, and that's another guy that gets no love, and it's my bad for missing him, Tim. And, I, I re- and nobody actually called me on that except for you. Uh, but I realized after I published it, damn, I missed that guy. And, uh, ah, okay. and, and I, I would definitely put him out there. Okay, uh, fair enough. I'm too bad Dalton Pompey doesn't qualify, but he's over by a little bit. How about Hector Oliveira in Atlanta? That, uh, Tim, another one that I didn't put out there uh, just because he's 31 years old and I refuse to call right. him a rookie. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think there could be something there. He's definitely hitting well in the early spring. Right uh, and and from what everybody who saw him last year, that I got reports on when I was actually you know doing stuff for the you know for the site, they said he looked terrible. Like he didn't even really not a swing of the pole. I mean it, it was like his timing was so far off, and and that's why Los Angeles gave up on him. They just wanted to you know they they saw such mm-hmm. a small window, and and they had they were so much depth they just decided to punt on him. And right. uh, Atlanta still saw what they still saw the talent there, and apparently, maybe some of that talent is finally starting to turn into baseball skills back because he was he didn't play for two years, and from what I heard, it showed really really badly. He just looked terrible out there. Okay, how about Socrates Brito? Another in Arizona. Tremendous I love speed. it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy that could steal 25 to 30 bases, no power. Uh, I do not think Peter O'Brien is the, the answer in left field. Uh, I saw him butcher a ball today. And Socrates Britos, I know that I know the Diamondbacks like him a lot. They love him at okay. you know, the speed he present, presents. So that's another guy that probably should have been on the list, and it wasn't. Uh, and, a, and a nice name, and a great name, by the way. I mean, Socrates Brito, I mean, I, oh. how can you not like a name like that? Oh, yeah, that, I, I love it. Uh, you know, how do you, how can you beat Socrates? You simply can't. How about Alan Hansen in Pittsburgh? Are we going to see him this year, Rich? Uh, I think he is Dilson Herrera. I think, <laughs> I think he's, he's a guy <laughs> okay. that I, I like, and uh, I know a lot of people like both Dilson Herrera and Alan Hansen. I just don't think the Mets and the Pirates like him as much as I do. Uh, okay. Where's he going to play, Tim? I mean, where, where's he? Unless somebody gets hurt, I mean, where's he going to play? Uh, let me see here. Who who do the Pirates currently have at second base? I know they Josh got George. They got Josh Harrison. Yeah, and they got Jordy Mercer at shortstop. That to me does not sound like a, a winning uh, middle infield. Hanson, they moved Hanson off of uh, off of short, so uh, you know you're not going to you're not going to see him coming in at shortstop. So I think it's Josh Harrison. That, and how's he going to beat out Josh Harrison? Well, he's not right. So, and you, you got to see uh, Josh uh, Bell coming in at first base. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be a Harrison move in the first base. I just don't know where he plays. Well, yeah, could they uh, slide uh, Kong over to third base, possibly? And Kong, I think that's where Kong's going to play. Uh, so okay, the, or, or Kong I, at shortstop. Nah. Well, I don't think it's a shortstop. So, yeah, so yeah. but so I guess if it worked out best for Hanson, Harrison moves to third, Kong moves to short, yeah. Jordy Mercer is out, and then they bring up an Alan Hanson. Now, that scenario might work, but, you know, right. okay. <laughs> What's mm. the possibility, Tim? <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Moving right rapidly along, uh, what do you think of Tony Zich in Seattle? A lot of people are drafting him uh, and, and believing yeah. him. You know, it's funny because somebody sent a, a tweet at me. Are you going to, like, rank 
relievers coming up from the minor leagues, and I just don't know. I don't know how to do that. I mean, it's like if they could be really good, they could be Addison Reed and, and have two really solid years of being a closer, or they could be six-inning guys. I don't know, but, but I like the arm that he brings, and I think there's something there. Okay, yeah, no, I just took a look at Seattle and I saw, you know, you, you get C-Shack who's been up and down the past few years and setting him up right now is Joaquin Benoit, right, who's 39 going on 60. So, you know, crazier things have happened, right, and they traded away Carson Smith. So uh, how about Charlie Tilson in St. Louis? I, I, I know I love him, but uh, any chance that he gets any significant playing time this year? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's he's got yeah. speed. I mean, he's a he's a classic fourth outfielder. Could he come up and you know have a couple of a couple of good weeks and do stuff? Yeah, but I I think he'll be exposed. I mean, I think he's a decent okay. outfielder with speed. He might even be your classic fifth outfielder, right? So uh, uh, okay. he'll be a platoon guy out there. Just just my opinion. I hope for your sake, Tim, that uh, that that he gets playing time. But uh, I, I just don't see it. Okay, and I've got one last name, uh, Keon Broxton. Oh, sorry, did I mention him already? <laughs> well Oops, played, Mr. Sorry. Well, well played. That I want to thank our... you very much, Rich, for the opportunity to talk some uh, prospects. Always enjoy this interviewing thing, and uh, great job. You, you know, I, the article was great. Uh, you answered all of my challenging questions this evening. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, I appreciate that, Tim. You do a good job there. And hopefully, I mean, these impact rookies are important. And we're going to be talking about, um, you know, we're obviously talking about all kinds of stuff throughout the season, Tim. But if you take a look at 20% of our show, we'll be on under uh, guys that we have forgotten about, like Archie Bradley's of the world and right. rookies. And because that's how you win these leagues throughout the year is trying to get those guys on, on, the, on the team. We're going to talk about... You know the the Matt holidays are off to terrible starts. Are they going to turn it around? And you know those are all part of it. But it's just trying to find the guy that's coming up to help your team out. That's how you win these leagues. I, I firmly believe that. Well, yeah, it's you know you've got to build a balanced team. You you can't go too young, too old. You've got to work in that middle ground. But I totally agree. You've got to find a way each and every year to hit on one or two players that drastically outperforms where you get them, either through waivers or at the back end of a draft. And those players are absolutely huge in your plans for 2016, Rich. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about guys that are, you know, have high babbits, about ready for correction. All that kind of stuff is always fun to talk about. And, and that's really people that can trade in their leagues, like those guys that you might want to target in a trade and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, but a lot of it is just like who do we think is going to get playing, who stinks, who's going to get demoted, and who's going to replace mm -hmm. them. And you, know, you might see Jordy Mercer get hurt, and then it's all of a sudden go get Alan Hansen because this rotation could happen, and all of a sudden Alan Hansen has a job. So that's the kind of stuff, Tim, that we talk about midseason. It's like how's the calculus working and all that. Because Clayton Kershaw is going to be good unless he gets hurt. Mike Trout's going to be great unless he gets hurt. I mean, mm -hmm. how much are we going to talk about those guys except that the lament how good they are? Well, exactly. Uh, everybody knows about those guys, and hopefully this year, uh, Rich, uh, as we uh, as we get into April and May, uh, you'll give me the opportunity again to do some waiver wire work because I really enjoyed that last year. I had a lot of fun with it, and hopefully, our listeners got some value out of it as well. Oh yeah, I mean, it's uh, we're going to go over your strategies. We get closer to the season of of how you do your work and the process that you go through because I think that's really valuable information for our listeners to hear about. Anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we thought it was 
I thought it was really good. I love the strat the draft strategy discussion and the impact uh, rookie discuss discussion. So hopefully we provided some really good information to everybody listening in. Tim, you got the the Tout Wars draft on Tuesday. Anything else coming up this week? Uh, yeah, I'm doing a podcast Monday night, uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Uh, then I've got Toad on Tuesday, and I think I'm off. So that pretty well clears things up until the following week, where I believe I've got a, a mock and a, another podcast happening. As a matter of fact, I I do. I'm going to be, oh, that's two weeks down. We can save that for next week. But I've, I've got the podcast tomorrow night, and I've got the uh, Toad on Tuesday, and I'm going to... I'll put the link up on the Facebook page, and I'm going to try and live blog it again. I had a lot of fun with it last year, and we're going to give it another go, Rich. Yeah, that sounds terrific. Timmy, I've got a hectic week work-wise. Mm-hmm. I've got a keynote speech that I have to do week after next, and I've got multiple rehearsals. It's in front of it's it's our annual users group, so there's Ooh. a couple 3,000 people coming, so they want the stuff to go off flawlessly, and usually when I'm involved, that means flawlessly, and <laughs> it's not really a word, so... So we got to make sure, because I'm doing some crazy stuff, so to make sure that it all works out. So at uh, 3 o'clock tomorrow, I have my first uh, dry run with our speech coach and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully get that done beginning of the week, and then I'm going to try to, if I can't, sneak down to Florida for a few games, mm. a couple backfield stuff, and then Sunday night I will be in, in Washington, D.C., so I'll be doing the show from the hotel. And then uh, Monday I have my speech, and then i got more stuff to do, and then... All kinds of stuff, but uh, that's that's my life. So this week's a hectic week, Timmy. Speech coach, like, do they actually go through your speech? Create? Do they create it for you? Do you create it? I'm just curious here, Rich. Like, I mean, do they go through each and every you know body language, the whole nine yards? I'm just curious. What's the scoop? Yeah, so let me tell you, I do a lot of public speaking, and I have people that write the speeches for me. I will come up with the topics of what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Generally, do I want this to be a, uh, so I do technology stuff. So is it it more forward thinking? Is it, are we trying to be kind of... uh, very kind of where's the where's the world going? How does how does this affect you and so forth? So kind of a more educational thing. So I'll figure out the bent I want to do on it, kind of the overall theme. Then I have people that actually write the speeches for me. So they'll they'll literally go out and do the research, figure out examples of that and so forth, and bring me back multiple ideas as to how that might work. So we'll hash through that for a week or so to kind of nail what that thing is going to look like. They'll go out, Tim and and build beautiful graphics around that, any kind of mm. videos, whether they're videos that we pull off the Internet or first-person videos. In other words, real f- new footage videos, they'll, they'll kind of uh, shoot all of that and pull it all together. Then I will – so that's that's normal stuff to do the speech. If it's a smaller venue, then I, I won't rehearse with anybody. I'll just kind of go off and do it. But if it mm. is a uh, TED Talk or if it's uh, one that I'm doing in front of 10,000 people – then I'll go to one of our speech coaches that we have at our company, and literally we have a green room where we do all of our videos and things like that, and that's where I'll be tomorrow. And I'll literally go through, and there'll be a teleprompter, and I will give the speech, and they will critique me, tell me where to stand and like how to use my hands. And, I mean, it's a whole thing. It's, you know, you're rehearsing hey. for how you want to do that. Uh, and then they're telling me, you've got to stick with the speech. The speech is brilliantly written to read the speech don't go off script you know 
and I go off script every time. And and mm. it's the stuff, quite frankly, that I go off script, which is always the best stuff, because then I'm just myself, and I'm very mm. uh, passionate about what I'm talking about. But that's how it all works. So okay. the last three weeks, I've had people researching stuff, cutting videos for me, and pulling it all together. This weekend, I pretty much wrote final things on what I wanted the, the speech to look like, and wrote some of the copy, and changed it then our my PR guy has been working on that this weekend and polishing it up and uh so it'll be loaded all in at three o'clock tomorrow and I'll run it for I think it's a forty five minute speech or something, thirty minute speech. Holy. We'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah it's a big I, deal, Tim. Yeah I was gonna <laughs> say, yeah. That ain't uh, that ain't making a speech at uh, your son's wedding, is it? <laughs> no, no, and it, it's and and you know, they'll write jokes for me, and it's just like I I can't say that it's stupid, you know. It's like I'm not going to say that, you know. So I'll come up with my own stuff, right? And mm-hmm. and it will tell me that that's not funny. I'll go look. I'm going to make this funny. Trust me, you know. So it's so uh, you know. So it's it's a lot of give and take, and I and my our PR department does great. My speech writers and my the firm I worked at used to help me write my speeches is unbelievably talented. But when it okay. gets a, you have to make it your own. You, it's like this show, Tim. I mean, I write the notes out, but we never like like read the words. I mean, it's just like a guide and, and that's how that's how I've always done my speeches as well. And then you kind of okay. improvise. And it's funny, have you ever spoken off a teleprompter before? I was just gonna say how much of this is off a teleprompter and how much is off the cuff, Rich? So, I've never used a teleprompter. I didn't, I didn't, it, first of all, it's hard to use a teleprompter because most people look like they're reading a teleprompter. You've okay. got when you're on stage, you'll have, and I'll try to get somebody to at least take a picture of me on stage. And and like, you've got you've got teleprompters on the right and the left and in the center. And the idea is you're supposed to t- move to the left, talk. You're looking at the teleprompter, and then you know, kind of scan around, and you're you're picking up the different teleprompters. Seems like it's really easy. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, you get a little dizzy up there. You know, it's like you know, trying to pick up where the teleprompter is. So you kind of have to know your speech and be able to to do that. Sometimes you will literally lose your spot on the teleprompter, and then you've got to improvise. And when you're starting improvising, Tim, then the teleprompter guy is trying to find out where you are in the speech, and also then the teleprompter script is going up and down as they're trying to find it, and mm. it's complete bedlam. And that's what speech. Speech coach will tell you, stick with the script, Wilson. Do not go off script because everybody starts to panic. Well, yeah, and then eventually on the teleprompter you see three letters, WTF, right? Exactly. So this speech I'm doing will be a lot of demonstrations of products that we've got coming out. We're doing a lot of, like, big announcements of stuff we're doing. So a lot of them will be canned videos of, like, a minute and a half of showing stuff that we've done, which I will talk over. So all of that will be off the cuff and improv there. Uh, And then some, you know, of strategies and and things like that, that I will be uh, very scripted because I want to make sure I communicate the right thing to all of our clients because I want to make sure Mm -hmm. they know specifically what we're going to be doing and why we're doing it. And so the press will be there and in Mm -hmm. the camp. You, you got to make sure you don't screw this up. So that's why, that's why they want to rehearse it. If I go to a TED Talk and say something stupid, well, okay, I say something stupid. But this one, I, I can't screw it up because then all of a sudden the press is going to come out and say, this mm. character said this, and we do something completely different than that. That's not good. So i, I got to make sure well, I say Thanks. Well, yeah, if you're selling a Ford and offering a Chevy, that doesn't work real well, <laughs> does be, it? That'd be really, really bad. So anyway, so that, that's, that's how it's all made, Tim. And uh 
It's, Interesting. It's, it's a lot of work. Uh, they asked me to play my guitar because they wanted uh, they wanted uh, me to bring and put a band together for this one, and I just oh, didn't okay. have time to pull it together because of all the travel I've been doing. So I'm supposed to do another one in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I pull a band together, and, and we're going to do uh, we're going to do a little concert with talking and playing music kind of combination. So which apparently everybody's excited about, but then the speech writers are like, this is going to be a, an absolute train wreck. So, so we'll see. Well, well, you know, why don't you make a phone call to Bonamasso and see if the two of you can do some dueling guitar, Rich? That, that'd be a hoot, wouldn't it? Well, it would be great is to actually get somebody in there that can, like, really, like like a tight band, and I'll, I don't have to do any work. You just kind of come in and play, and they can follow mm. you. It's not a horrible idea. So when I went out to India last year and did that, they, had, they brought right. in a band that's you know recorded tons of albums there, and it's like it literally had an hour to do a sound check with them, and they knew. I mean, it was boom. They were so tight that I didn't really have to do much except play my part, and they did everything else, which was great. And that's how you have hmm. to do that stuff. So, yeah. fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that, Rich. Little little glimpse of my crazy life. So that's that's what I'm that's what I'm doing this week, Timmy. So and and you know what? I can't understand how you can't fit in another two leagues into that schedule, Rich. I just can't that's understand. Not, it. This this March was terrible, Tim. I was literally oh. gone for 13 straight days, and you know I did these slow drafts with our dynasty leagues over the last two weeks, and I did a terrible job of drafting because I was literally all day meetings dinner meetings in the evening. I just didn't get a chance to focus on it. So, And I didn't want the same thing to happen with redraft leagues. And it's just, yes. it's, I really beg off a lot of leagues this year. And it's really disappointing. Well, you know, you got to do what you, you know, you toss in the fact that you're trying to sell your host at the same time. That probably doesn't help things either, does it? Yeah, that's that. Lori's been doing most of that work. So, oh, okay. Uh, I, I would literally get on, uh, she was calling me, got to get on the phone with the attorneys. I'd be literally in, in the Uber cars going from, from appointment to appointment talking to attorneys and I had I was traveling with two other guys. They heard, they know everything about myself my house. You know, it's like, what are you gonna do? You know? It's like, no, we're not gonna do that. Yes, we're gonna do that and they're just laughing, you know, because they're like, Really? <laughs> yeah. They want a rug? What what is going on there? I'm like, Yeah, I know. I but leave me alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you want to be doing your job in Nome, Alaska next year? Don't laugh that, so loud, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it, it's funny because the people I work with, it's like, like working with you. I've become very, very close with these guys because I spend my, mm-hmm. a lot of time with them. So right. we know way too much about each other. So mm. you just have to, you know, people overhear conversations. It's like that's the way it is. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I can't, like, go for privacy. i got to go for got a multitask here and right. everybody I remember when my uh when my son was about ready to Columbia I called the uh I I I had the uh an opportunity to talk to the dean of Columbia Business School and you know basically say hey would you talk to my son uh and myself a good friend of mine go, taking a limo back from New York to New Jersey and the and the limo driver we're writing this email as I'm punching it in on my iPhone to not screw up this introductory email to the team of the Columbia business. <laughs> and, the, and the limo driver's chiming in, no, say it this way. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. And, and it, that's become my life. And it's him just like doing eight things at once. And then I sent it, and he goes, sure, I'll talk to your son. And it, it was pretty cool. And then you know, he told him, hey, you got in. You don't need to talk to me. You already got in. But it, that was kind of a cool experience. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know what? Somewhere that limo driver 
got himself probably a real good tip for that ride, right? He got a great tip. He got a great tip because uh, because is it okay if I chime in and go, look, you got, I'm an idiot. I can't write this thing on, on my iPhone. So, yeah, I need all the help I can get. So <laughs> oh, That's funny. <laughs> all right, Emmy, look, we will talk next week. Hope do really well. Make us proud on your Tower uh, draft. Thanks so much, Rich. Looking forward to it, and be well. All right, see ya. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.